Mo Facts with Adam Curry for February 2nd, 2022. This is episode number 75. Two episodes in two weeks, back to back. Yes, we are on fire. I'm Adam Curry coming to you from the heart of the Texas Hill Country and time once again to spin the wheel of topics all the way to Northern Virginia. Please say hello to my friend on the other end, Mr. Mo Facts. How you doing, Adam? Mo, I'm good. What are we doing, man? Back to back. Well, we owe the people an episode for the one we skipped, and That's to make true. sure we get back on the cycle, because you know uh, both our schedules are cycle dependent. <laughs> yes, we have we have cycles that need to intersect. Hey, by the way, Mo, um, yes. in the words of Morgan Freeman, Happy Black History Month. <laughs> <laughs> happy Happy Black Future Month. In the words of Kanye. Yeah. Uh, oh, is is that what he's? That's what he said. Happy Black that- Future Month. Well, no, he was uh, saying we need to stop focusing on the history and more on the future. Oh, so yeah. that was a uh... yeah. Now yeah, it's just it's it always makes me laugh. Black History Month in February, the shortest month, the calendar and year. the coldest, <laughs> the coldest. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Hey, um, well, I'm very excited. So I guess we have a. Is this a little shorter than normal? Will this be less than five hours today, or what? <laughs> I think I think we should get out of here before five hours. Um, <laughs> I always love it though. Always an education. Yeah. So, um, it's going to be, we're going to go back over some things because there's been a common theme that's been running through the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what happened, what we discussed on the last show and the recent events in my personal life, I think this show is going to be uh, just a more, uh, personal show. Uh, so okay um, well we we like the personal shows and uh th- these are always the most interesting to me <laughs> so, <laughs> so let me crank it up here let's get the wheel of topics going ah huh? we're gonna find out what it is round and round it goes what's the topic for today's show nobody knows well mo does know because he put it together for us once again the topic for mo facts with adam curry episode number 75 is it's okay not to be okay okay it's okay not to be okay it's okay to not to be okay and okay. this is a personal show for me just talking about personal experience but then also doing it if i'm going through this it might be other people out there just going through the same thing and the point i mean by it's okay not to be okay we're coming up on a week to the day when i found out i was going to be fired and i'm going to stop using the word separated or parted ways with my company it is what it is i was fired Mm -hmm. at 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 no doing of my own other than (laughs) want to take want to maintain a medical autonomy um now as i said and i'll keep saying that a company i'm a a capitalist so a company has the right to do or companies have the right to do what they want but my issue is the coercion that went to you saying that took place and now you're hearing, well, you did it on your own choice. You did it on your own choice. Mm-hmm. Um, the equivalent would be, say, a Me Too issue. <laughs> right. Uh, if a person was to quit their job because they were put in an awkward situation, and then they were told, "Are you? well, you quit on your own choice. Uh, no. <laughs> right. This is a very toxic situation. And so, just to be honest with the uh, producers and the Fats family, I have been angry as hell. I have been mad. Uh, <laughs> um, well, this is very understandable. You put, um, you, there's, you said before, you've told mm-hmm. me um, how the social contract was broken. And that is partially the, the world in general. 
but certainly the whole idea of a corporation in America where you start and, you know, 15 years later, you're basically kicked to the curb with a, with a letter is very letter. It's not even, didn't even have, didn't even have my, have my name on it. That's the, that's the really thing about it. What did that just have employee number? No, it just says basically like a open, I wish I had it here close to me, but it was basically like you, (laughs) to whoever it make concern kind of situation. Wow. Uh, yeah, there was no, no, there was nothing personal about it. Completely cold. And, and what I'll say, and did, did, it, did, it, did it, did it end with like, uh, you can contact HR to, uh, to finalize stuff or anything like There's, that? It is final. <laughs> the note was the final, you know saying the final, uh, but healthcare and stuff like that. I mean, that's, well, they said you'll be kicked off at the end of the month. So they gave me a week to find healthcare. Uh, <laughs> so that enjoy too. the marketplace and all the spam that Obamacare brought us there, brother. Oh my God! Like, I mean, I basically had to cut my phone off because I, I all the text that. messages and the calls. It's the and, worst. Yeah, yeah. But my issue is that this government, United States government, you know, colluded with corporations mm-hmm. That's, to get rid of the undesirable. Yeah, and. You know, uh, I didn't think this is what <laughs> I am not surprised just being as a black man. Uh, <laughs> you figured they were going to get you some kind of way, but I didn't think it was going to be this kind of way. And the reason why I know that sounds very unmo like, but this is what goes on in the back of your head. Like some, something's going to get me. I've been, I've been on a too good of a, a run. Uh, and that's kind of sad to say, but it is what it is. Hmm. Now, but you clearly don't feel like you've been gotten or captured because quite the opposite has happened. You've really, you've been able to free your mind and, and explore other things now. That's true. But what I mean by gotten is a stumbling block is going to be put before you at some point. And the and, and reason why I'm having this show is two things, because I'm sure there's people out here that's going through the same thing with less opportunity than me. And less, uh, you know, less uh, clear path in front of them than me. So I speak for them, but also just to go back and talk about this anger, because the angry black man is a trope, right? It's a meme. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so you have not displayed any. Um, of course, I know you're. You've been on edge and disappointed, and mm-hmm. and of course angry but you have ne- even you know we we talk all the time about stuff not on the show right. um if you really haven't displayed real anger that i noticed and that's the thing it's a even to the point where you can't display it not with not me personally but there's a social uh norm or maybe that's not the word but it's like an expectation that a black person can't be angry because it's not a good look, right? Because it feeds to the from the last show. <laughs> you see what happens and, when you, but, but you show some kind of anger. Do you feel right? yourself uh, literally holding back because of that very reason? Do you self censor yourself because of that? Well, it's a couple of reasons, and we're gonna get this. This whole show is about this topic. Okay, good. But you know, so it's a couple of things. It's not it's self censoring from the fact that nobody wants to seem like a whiner. Nobody wants to seem like a complainer. Uh, whatever you throw at me, I'll deal with it. That's just being a, f- a free-minded person that comes with that. But also, an 
angry black person is seen as a, I would say, as more of a threat than any any other person, especially an angry black man. Uh, even compared to our counterparts, the women, uh, we're not allowed to show that range of emotion because then you're crazy. You get labeled with these labels, so mm-hmm. it may it's a maybe an uncon- there's, unconscious. There's, there's only one kind I know that. Do you remember? Oh, I don't remember which protest this was. This may have been back after Occupy Wall Street. I can't remember, but mm-hmm. there was this kid, and he was protesting, and he was you know young young black young black boy, mm-hmm. maybe like thirteen, fourteen. And his mama came out, and she grabbed him by his ear and dragged him off home. And the that, that whole was Baltimore was at that Baltimore. Was Baltimore. The whole yes. country was like, "Hell yeah! Why don't we have more of that?" That right. was fantastic. Right. That's that's that would have been okay, but if it would have been his father, ah, no, big problem. It would have been another. It would have been something else. Yeah. No, I and, understand. I'm just pointing right. that out. Is there yes. is there is this one instance? The, the black mother is revered in America for this. And then, just to speak, since we're on Black History Month, <laughs> this is the difference between King and Malcolm X. See, King was acceptable because he really never got angry or showed his anger. Right. And Malcolm, Malcolm was the other was, way around. Yeah. He was, you know, saying not angry, but he could be perceived as angry by, by the way he spoke. And it's like, oh, we're going to go with the King. <laughs> we'll go with King's method. We can't go with Malcolm X method. So, like I said, I just want to explain this. I'm just just me being transparent with people, uh, and it's a it's a secondary purpose to having this conversation, and we'll get through it as we get into it. So, I guess we can just go ahead and jump in to the first clip, and this is Doctor Fields explains the psychology of anger. I want to tell you that I, I do think that anger um, is your default emotion. It's, it's what you go to because it's the safest emotion. Because see, if, if, if you go to anger, then you're less likely to be hurt. Mm-hmm. Because you've already started a fight. Right. So it's not like you went and said, hey, listen, I really like you and I want you to want me and accept me. And then if you get rejected, that's painful. But if you go in and say, I don't want you to want me because I don't like you and I'm going to yell at you and scream at you, then it doesn't hurt because you never find out whether they would have let you stay. Anger is a big part of it and I do have the freak out and that happens a lot, like almost every day, but then I go through like a ton of different emotions throughout the day. Sad, you know, all kinds of different stuff happens. That's because anger is just the outward manifestation of hurt, fear, or frustration. One of these days, it doesn't have to be this show, but I would love mm-hmm. to know more about how Dr. Phil is viewed by black America. Because you've brought him up on the show several times in the, in the, in the whole history of just wondering the, where he the, stands. The, the reason why I bring Dr. Phil in is because he's like the mainstream media's doctor. So, uh, it's his his takes are widely accepted. Okay, so so that's why I do that. It's just a all right, good as a good uh, center center uh, a balanced take on certain things. Okay, so he talks about fear, frustration, and, and, and uncertainty. I think was the third thing he said, mm-hmm. but that is the thing, and it's a constant calculation of well, I can't seem too angry. 
I can't I couldn't stand up and have a Jerry Maguire <laughs> kind of rant because that would be taken differently. Mm. Um, you remember the movie? I'm well, yeah, I was going to say yet yet uh, Cuba uh, Gooding Jr. pulled it off perfectly, and everybody loved it. Right, um, but that's I mean, but just the way how Jerry Maguire stood up in the office. <laughs> ah, I see <laughs> what snapped. you're saying. Right, yeah. right, right. No, right, that's right, not. Right. <laughs> that's right. probably going to get you in cuffs. Uh, carried out the carried out the building but yeah i, I mean I, like i said i have to talk about this because but that is I'm also sure a pre that is a preconceived notion i mean it, you you say that and i'm agreeing with it i guess but mm-hmm. i don't know that that kind of depends on the office you know yes and i, I i'm totally on board with you i'm not going to fight you but there are mm-hmm. some circumstances where that would be very appropriate and skin color wouldn't make any difference and, and this is the thing this is not exclusive as i always say it starts with us. Now, what you're seeing is the anger of other people. <laughs> yeah. They, no, they, they're getting fed up. And yeah. one of the most, I don't want to say passive, but agreeable set of people in this world are Canadians. <laughs> oh, man. I was talking to one this morning. Yes. Yes, they are. They're, they're very kind people. Their, their typical mode of uh, protesting is to um, grouse. They complain, right? <laughs> That's all they do usually. What's ha- oh yeah, this but is- you see what's happening there now. Yeah, this is, is big. that. This is big. When you when you push people into a corner, and it's like, okay, I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll take that. Now, when you when you start to affect the way that I feed my kids and my family, and not only the way you feed them, but it affects the status in your home. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, because like if you're not a provider, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like the two main modes is like protector and provider. Mm-hmm. So it, you know what I'm saying, it kind of kneecaps you on the provider side of it. And then that starts to cause turmoil inside the home or creates an environment for turmoil and that kind of thing to grow. Yeah. So and that and this is where no man in the house comes in. Mm-hmm. So we got to start looking at these things and say. What's going we've on? We've been here. telling you, yeah. we've been telling you that, yep. you know, what I'm saying it starts with us. But now you're starting to see the impact of the state and how it's trying to leverage yourself as the de facto father. Yep. We'll take by removing the, the providing right. portion of the father. Right. Which, if like I said, and then that you're sitting around the house all day uh, <laughs> and then you're angry and you're stressed out and you're frustrated. And then that makes you even tougher to deal with. And then it destabilizes any more and it becomes this complete cycle and then it's like there's really nobody you can talk to um about your problems because one of the things about i'm just going to say about i'm saying black people is the two sources where we do a lot of talking is the lunch table <laughs> and, and the barbershop yeah which these two things have been taken away from us because you can't go to work one because we were work from home uh, a lot of us and then two can't have lunch you don't together have a job, you don't have a job anymore period Right, and then you can't go to the barbershop either. Right, because it's by appointment. It's one at a time due to the COVID rules. So they cut off your CNN. Well, they cut off our... <laughs> your, your, our your communications our, line. Well, not even communication in that sense, but like that's where you get stuff out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like ah, the guys right, right, they, right, right, right. The guys kind of sit around the table like, you what's bitch going about on stuff. You? Yeah, <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I hear you. So you take those two modes away from people, and it's like, what do you have left? Uh, Twitter. Right, and then, well, that pressurizes, it, <laughs> yeah. and that causes a negative. That's a negative outcome. Of course, so, of course, very negative. 
so what I want to get into now is this is the set of clips, and this is from the 1960s, and it's a black man. Uh, he's an older black man. It's going to matter because I got a younger black man that we heard before. But I want to listen to the frustrations of older black men in the 60s when they try to be part of America, but it ends up coming out as anger. I don't agree with the moderator nor Reverend Robinson that we want some kind of agreement. We want agreement by which we can live or die. You choose. I have spoken to you a lot of times in hatred and anger, and you have not heard me. Well, you had better hear me today. It's because you consider me a vagabond leader that I'm not to speak here. Well, you had better cut those neckties off of them black boys that you put in their district. Because they don't know what's happening. And I'm from the pits of nigger hell. And I know what's happening. If you won't listen to me when I make an appeal for the Negroes, because you have no concern for the Negroes, listen to me when I make an appeal for America. You claim you love America. Well, we love America. But you are driving us back and you are making a Samson out of us and we are going to pull down the pillars. Wow. Do you know where that was or who that was? Uh, I don't know who it was, uh, but he was speaking to a, a council meeting and he was a community leader. I would say that. That's why he said you consider me a vagabond leader mm-hmm. because he wasn't part of the structure. Right. You know what I'm saying? And he was just venting like, you know, we we like we love America just like everybody else does. Yeah. But at that time, it was based off of race. But now at this time, we're hearing the similar sentiments at these uh, town hall meetings and things of that nature. So yep. what I'm just saying is just showing examples of it started with us. Mm-hmm. And now we're seeing it happen as predicted, all, <laughs> as predicted all over the world. And people are being pressurized and. Anger can be a, a very destructive force if left unattended, either personally or to society itself. Um, and as we were saying that, the reason I want to go back a little bit to the last show and what we talked about lynching and the pressurization and the mm-hmm. and the uh, fear mongering that kind of thing, and it left the door open for the Russians to say, "Hey, mm-hmm. America has problems. Yeah, let's you know exploit let's, that." Let's exploit that. Let's give it gas. Let's feed it. That's what he's saying here. And it's not that, you know, people are trying to work with outside groups and, you know, that was the first choice. It's like, you left me no choice. Right. Is that making sense? Is it making yeah, of sense? Course. No, of I mean, course. Of course it does. And so now that's why you hear people like, um, considering like well that that doesn't seem like the bad of an option if this is if this is the way the system is going to go maybe we need to consider something else and that's a very dangerous uh thought to allow to linger for a, a country or a nation absolutely it's happening everywhere except for the uk where they just said screw it <laughs> yeah so Every, everything's I, good so i just like i said i'm a point laying this out is the ang- anger is a real emotion. It's um, it is it manifests itself in different ways, 
Do you have the simmering anger? And I would say that's where mine has been at. That's very, <laughs> it's very is, unhealthy to keep things in is very, very unhealthy. You know it, that, it, of course. I do know that. But then at the same time, you have to keep up what they call keep up airs, right? Mm-hmm. You have to seem like everything is okay. Uh, you can't let the kids know it. Which is what wrong. dads do. Yeah. Right. And that's what kills you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, of course. Of course, that's universal. And that's certainly for men. Yes, and that's why men on you know saying in general die younger than women, and that's why black men are the lowest on the life expectancy rate. Because one, either you you haven't obtained success in America and that makes you stew, or you have obtained success in America and it isolates you. Right. Cause success is a very isolating thing. I mean, you probably know. I mean, because you're always wondering like uh, well, I can't let on that, you know, something's going on because... Yeah, until I started no. being honest and doing podcasts, and then it became really easy. I am who I am. No phony, no fake, <laughs> no hidden, no trap doors. You know, that's that's what has, has probably saved me. And I'm glad you made that point because this right here, this coming and speaking on it, <laughs> three or four hours, you know what I'm saying? And then, you know, what I do independently, that is the best outlet possible to kind of take the lid off the pot a little bit and let some of the steam out. And now, 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 especially since we know the final conclusion of your work situation, now you, now you're really free to speak. Right. But the fact that it, I was left lingering and I keep using this word for so long, that adds to the anger mm-hmm. that adds to the, like, seriously, like, I mean, cause you wake up, I mean, cause like, okay, I'm just going to give people how I went through the process. You get the letter and you're like, wow, you know what I'm saying? Okay, that happened. And then it's okay. Okay. All right. Well, this frees me, which it does. And then it's like, but hold on. I didn't do anything wrong. No. That's that's the part. Like, I mean, I could see if I was slacking off at work or, you know, made a mistake or that kind of thing. You could justify it or rationalize it. When you've done nothing except say you don't want to take part in mass mind control. Uh, no offense to anybody you know, saying that took it, but it's like I don't want to do it. And this is where the race thing comes in. And it's the same thing. It's the same feeling. It's like if if I don't comply, right. then you can end me at any time. And like I said, this is where that uh, mechanism bleeds over under, to everybody. What, well, what no? What happened was it was under the surface. You know, it was just under the surface, it's there. And then it's like, wow, like you really did something to me that I had no, you know, I no had recourse. No yeah, over. no control over it. Right. That's, right. It's, it's very, that's hard for men. That's the frustrating part. It's mm-hmm. like, I mean, I'm not worried about the future because the future is going to be what it's going to be. But it's like, you can come in and flip my life upside down on a whim. And I don't think the rest of America and the West, rest of the world understood what that was like. Well, people who, people, the people who understand it are the truckers. Yes, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> they, they and people are going, get, oh, okay, I see. Yeah, they're not happy. No, they got big trucks. We need them. Right. And that's the thing. Like, I mean, so that's why I'm saying every it's a great opportunity for empathy uh, because now people can see the it's not the the action, it's the threat. It's the 
underlying, well, when is when is the other shoe going to drop? Right. Which when, when, exactly. Right. And, 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 and I'm not speaking for all black people, but I can just speak for myself as a, my, my black experience. You're always waiting for the other shoe to drop, even though you don't say it, even though it's not communicated. It's when things are going really good, like they were. I mean, I just look back. I mean, a year ago, I was moving into my new home. I had the podcast going. I was gainfully employed. You know, everything was on the up and up. And then it's like, you know what? Eh, we we as society or we as they, we want to switch things up. Yeah, We want to shake things up. And it's like, you realize the repercussions of that. We don't care. You know, if you don't want to comply to whatever we say is right, so be it. And, and, and it's your fault. <laughs> it's like, it's put back on you. It's your fault that you didn't comply. So what I'm, what I'm saying is this doesn't have to really do anything with race, but what it did was tap into that racial subconsciousness there. Gotcha. So let's go ahead I, and get into this. Go I, ahead, you know, I, to- I totally understand. That's triggering as all hell. Right. And then, but then and it's, it's a lot going on because it's like, well, I can't say anything about it because I don't want to seem like a complainer. And honestly, I really don't have anything to complain about compared to others. But then you go back to the in the loop again. It's like, but I didn't do anything. Yeah, and, and it's I, unfair. <laughs> right, I know it's, it's unjust. The, the, min, the like, minute you say that, just this unfair. It's like, oh man, okay, well there it is. It's done. But the nat, but the natural thing is for people to say, suck it up, suck it up. You're a man, suck it up. You know that's the that's the. I there was a an interesting video uh, in Ottawa and. One resident, and the residents of Ottawa, of course, are flipping out because it's just noise and horn honking for days. And one guy is just flipping out, and he's yelling at the truck driver. And the truck driver's like, hey, man, yeah, but we just want all the mandates gone. And the guy says, and this kind of shows you, and and I understand, I, I can totally humanize him. Uh, he says, but that's just for people to go to their job. That's not a full-on mandate. You, they're not jabbing it in your arm. I thought, wow, this guy just doesn't get it. And, and, you know, there's, there's a, a level of misunderstanding when you're not affected by something. And that's the dangers to say, well, it was your choice. Exactly. It's like, what choice did you give me? You know, um, I don't trust this, you know, whatever you're trying to give me, whatever it is, just fill in the blanks. I don't trust that, that path forward and I don't want to participate in it. So it's like, okay, well. Let me just, you know, saying snatch your your means of uh, being a provider away from you and see if that gets you in line. See, this is the this is the butt breaking mentality of this vax situation. Mm-hmm. It's like, won't you just sit on it for a while yeah. and you come back and see if you got your senses together? That's this is, pretty this much is what that, they did, yeah. Right, and they're just gonna try to break you, and it's like, well, I'm not gonna break because I'm standing on my principles, but. It also opened, like I said, it puts you in an awkward situation because you've destabilized a lot of men's position in their home. The amount of emails I've received, particularly from New Zealand mm-hmm. and Australia, from men who, you know, they just email me and they say, uh, dude, like, I got to feed my family now. And it's like, I'm, I'm going to have to take this damn thing. It's heartbreaking, but it, it, that's what they always say. I got to feed my family. And now we see about when we talk about, and like I said, this is for all men, <laughs> the mm-hmm. show is, but specifically I have to talk about the racial aspect of it because 
there is that underlying dormant racial programming that's just that, that a lot of more. us have that this situation triggered mm-hmm. or you know what I'm saying or it can trigger because and then, and then throw in for some reason all of a sudden uh historically um black uh, colleges and universities are getting mm-hmm. bomb threats just to sprinkle oh. <laughs> some shit on top you know like what, what when is that a thing and then on top of that you factor in oh well we need a woman supreme court justice yeah, black one right so all these things is like it's all feeds into it of this boogeyman because it might not be real i mean like i said it, it might be just in our heads but it, you can't fear <laughs> fear is something that fear can make you sick right and it can and if even if it's not real doesn't mean it's not impactful i was talking to uh, a guy from nigeria yesterday mm-hmm and it was funny because, you know, the power went out right in the middle of they were he was part of a, a podcast interviewing me. And he had his stuff on batteries and he said, oh, that's just life in Nigeria. And I said, so how did it go in Nigeria with COVID? He said, man, it's like totally like nothing. No one knows anyone who died. And he says, we already know the government's corrupt. He says, it's not even from the anti-malarial drugs. We just weren't afraid of shit. You know, you got it. You know, you had it for a few days and then you're better. And he says, I, I know 500, 1,000 people. I don't know anybody who died from it. And I said, that's crazy because I know at least five princesses from Nigeria. I can't believe that you don't, <laughs> that you don't know anybody who died from COVID. And, and that's the other thing is like that feeds into the nocebo effect. And that's what I'm talking about. Fear. Yep. <laughs> fear can definitely have exactly. some, writ, some definite, um, it can manifest things once you start to harp on it because I'm a firm believer that everything begins in the mind. Mm-hmm. Right. So when you start to think um, and it's those when you start to think and you you're thinking thoughts that are not controlled, but it's just like your mind is running away with itself. That's when you get in some serious danger. Yeah. Uh, so let's just go ahead and get to the second part of the. Yeah, let's hear some more ang- angry black yeah. men. Yes, this is this is wonderful. <laughs> Should you try to pretend that I'm crazy? Because I want America to be saved. Rides that goes on in this country, in this city. The city is better than Pittsburgh. And then you think we have no right to ask for something? Is it too much to ask you to grant us human dignity? Should we be put down and shot to death for this request? If so, you can aim your guns. What the hell do you think we care about dying if you're going to deny us the right to live? Yeah, man, you don't see, you don't see stuff like that often anymore. And that's a, that last line, mm-hmm. what do we care about dying if you don't want to give us the right to live? Right. I want everybody to keep that in mind when you, like I said, when I put my, my anger is just coming from the audacity and the power that someone can make a decision to impact someone just because of what they won't do, not because of what they will do. If I took an action or what they did do or, or what they did do, if I had taken an action, and I was sacked. It was like, oh, well, I deserve that. You know what I'm saying? I would have got over it. But the fact when it's like, wow, like, so then you start to wonder what's next. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Are they going to come for your kids? Are they going to come for your freedom to move around? Are they, you know, all these start, other things start to come. Because like, wow, if you took it this far, how far are you willing to take it? And that creates a very unhealthy place in your head, space, head, headspace to be in. And like I said, I'm being just completely honest and transparent with everyone because hopefully somebody that's in this same space will not feel alone and isolated. I think we all feel that way. I mean, I, I, I'm in a different place than you in my life in general, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I've, I've just turned it into my vocation. It's like <laughs> it, to deal with it. Uh, and this is this is the honest truth. I prefer to in, uh, engross myself in the details, try and find, figure out what the next move is, what's being done, why it's being done, and that that's how I process any anger that might crop up. I really don't have any, even though, like you, everyone has a reason to be angry. And what's next? And what the hell if they did this? What can happen next? I'm also in Texas. That does make, I'm not in Austin. Let's put it that way. In Austin, I was unhappy. I was very unhappy during, uh, during the, the heavier restrictions, which are still in place, you know, or they're trying to keep them in place in Austin. So that's understood. And everyone finds a way to deal with it. I'm, I'm fortunate. And, and what it, the real issue is, it's not about the money. It's not about any, cause money can be made. I mean, this is, this is a world where money just moves around. If you're saying if you have a plan, you can get money. So it's not about that. It's about the power that, you know, a uh, group of people have over your personal freedoms. Yeah. Uh, that's where the rubber meets the road at. And then the de- the destabilizing effect it has and the, just the callous way it was done. Um, you know, how do you just throw people away and, and say, well, when you get your mind right, we'll have a spot for you. You know, when you learn to know your place, and you come to we'll heal. have a spot for yeah. you. Yeah, right. Yeah. When you come here, right, that's <laughs> exactly right. And this is where we've been saying this for a long time about how men in dresses, specifically black men in dresses in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is, this is what you put on the dress moment. This is David Chappelle right, in his right, dressing right, room. Right, 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 Here's right. the dress. Come on, Dave. You know what I'm saying? It's funny. Yeah, you know that's kind of thing. Like, come on, it's just a needle, just a little prick, just a, just a little. It's crazy. And, it's crazy, right? So when you do that, you're gonna trigger some of the racial programming mm-hmm. because I'm not immune to it. I mean, I deal with it probably better than most, but I'm not immune to it yeah, in any kind of way. Just I'm not not, another one of those things they didn't really take into consideration, right? So that now you're starting to see why. Especially from people. from the party that's in charge that loves black people, Mo. Well, now we're seeing the ugly side of them. Mm-hmm. See, they they love you as long as you're doing what they ask you to do. When you don't, that's when we get to see the real true colors come out. Yeah, it's like, well, don't let them move around. Don't let them eat. Don't let them go to grocery stores. Don't let them, you know, make in, them show a in, car. In Canada, in door. Canada, literally. You're in the grocery store. If you're unvaxxed, you can only go into the produce aisle and, and get food. You can't get, like, you know, a shovel or a hat or underwear. You, you they, they chaperone you, make sure you don't go there. Now, tell me. <laughs> it, it, that's, a, that's a ritual of humiliation. Sure is. It's, it's not a function because you mean the coof can't be on that aisle? I mean, what, what are you saying? This is... Right. It's yeah, exactly. And when you start to humiliate somebody, 
it's like, oh, okay, this is personal. Mm-hmm. This, this is this. Is, I mean, you could take. I mean, they might not mean it as personal, but it's going to be taken as personal. It's like, why would you do that to say you can't go buy, you know, certain goods if you're not, you're saying, uh, vaxxed or it's not? It's punitive. It's obvious, right? And it's and it's petty. And those are the things. Like I said, those are the things that make people start to lose their mind. Yeah, right. And and now I have to do this because. With that anger, if you don't do something with it, it will destroy you. So now I want to get into getting some therapy, and this is uh, clip 2A. Hi, I'm Purvis Taylor, and you're tuned in to Black Man Get You Some Therapy. <laughs> Today's topic is anger. Anger at its core is a secondary emotion. The primary emotion is hurt. Underneath the hurt is disappointment, and underneath the disappointment is an expectation that hasn't been met. Unfortunately, when we look at anger, anger feels like a much more powerful emotion that we can display and is okay for us to display and acknowledge. The key word to acknowledging anger is just that, acknowledging it. In order for one to acknowledge something, they must be honest with themselves. A lot of times we try to present anger as if it's something that doesn't exist or we like to bury it. The way that anger can manifest itself depends and varies, right? Sometimes for us as men, anger shows up in two ways, in an internal way and also in an external way. The way in which we internalize anger may show up in some of our own self-destructive behaviors. Sometimes we hurt ourselves physically um, through self-harm, self-injurious behaviors, substance use and substance abuse. And some of the ways in which we externalize anger can be in the ways in which we treat the ones we love um, or just strangers. Sometimes it can show up in the form of our impatience, how we talk to folks, our tonality, sometimes even just our facial expressions. I always tell people that being angry is not what usually gets us in trouble. It's how we manage our anger. Well, this is interesting. I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of therapy. I started, I, I did some therapy after my second marriage. I'm like, okay, let me just check a few things here. Um, I think men in general are getting more used to the idea. Does this guy have a podcast? Is this a YouTube or where is he doing yes, this? Yes, this is actual podcast called Brother Get You, uh, Black Man Get You Some Therapy. And this was episode yeah, He needs one to get him YouTube. some sound advice, which I'd be happy to help him with. <laughs> because I, I like it's it. It's important, but it's, yeah, it was terrible quality. But yeah, it, 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 it was important message. But it's lost due to the quality. I get, well, I get no, I'm not lost, but you know, you got my point there. But uh, I'm for this. Is there a stigma on this in uh, with black men? Oh yeah, oh yeah. But not a stigma. And this, the stigma is going to lay on somebody's couch, yeah, and let them poke around in your brain. <laughs> that's that's, the that's, stigma. that's not exactly how it works. No, well, I'm, I'm that, giving you the, that's I'm the perception. You the stig- yes, I got. That's you. the perception of the stigma. That's the stigma. Yeah, I got you. now. Like I said before, going to talk to your friends at the lunch table, yeah, or, or the going to talk shop. to your the barber shop or yeah. your barber, where you get some older guy who's there and can say some wise shit. Exactly, mm-hmm. and then church. That was the other thing I church, forgot to bring sure, up. Church. church, of course. So they cut off they church. Yep, cut they, that off. They, they cut the church off. They cut the barber shop off, and then they cut the job off. Yeah, next they just cut your dick off. Is that, is that a, a, well, I mean, we know stress and you know, those kind of things had effects on that. So, <laughs> okay, <laughs> literally, I is there something like, you want to talk about, Mo? Do we need to no, discuss it? No, it's not. No, no, no. <laughs> what, what I'm saying is that's that's the last thing you have left, yeah. and then stress can even impact that. So, um, straight up, yeah. yeah. So, so when my my point is this: is this by design? I mean, I have to ask this question. Oh, because. <laughs> 
are they trying to pressurize people for a reason to get a reaction? Because the way I'm looking at this timeline, it's February now. Okay. So people will probably have two, three, four months of savings, right? You burn through your savings. Now here we're at summer. We're at summer. It gets hot. People get a little crazier. People can go outside. I mean, people are not really going outside now because it's 20 degrees. You know what I'm saying? But when it starts to get hot and your money gets low, uh, are we going to start seeing some things pop off in cities? Whether it's just somebody pissed at somebody, you know what I'm saying? Just pissed in general and they pop off or things like we talked about. I think about that's already, that's already happening. Mo, this is already happening. This is already then, happening. Yeah, this I is, believe so. It's, I, 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 I see the reports. Uh, Portland, Oregon, one night, you know, like nine shootings with, with, with deadly consequences. What? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we don't need to, it, it's, it's interesting. So, okay. So first of all, my, my view, yes, this is intentional. It's all intentional. This is the great reset. I take these idiots at their word when they say they're going to do a, some kind of reset that you got to break shit to reset it. That's, that's just, I think that's what, what is happening and it's part of the financial markets. Um, there's a lot of uh, the wire type stuff going on with everything. Real estate is the solution to everything. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so we see neighborhoods destroyed, neighborhoods burned. Now, all of a sudden, d- developers go in. It's happening everywhere. I see it. I'm not stupid. The wire opened my eyes, really. The, the demolition is the, the, demo- the, yep. the, the controlled demolition through people. Yes, it's free. It's free. It's like it's free demolition. It's like let's just make them mad. They'll burn it up, and then we'll come back and build it, build it back up. Um, so and you know, continue I, on. I, well, I saw literally saw the United Nations uh, Secretary General Guterres. Um, he had a tweet, and the tweet said, "You know, here's the priorities for the world. Basically, uh, mm-hmm. one, uh, defeat COVID nineteen. Two change the financial system what that's what we're dealing with so so something very big is going on and um yeah i don't know if that what was the first part of your question what you were really asking if if, if this is on purpose yeah so i mean i I think you're right it's all that's why it's happening to to everybody 1919 again I mean, we talked about the racial riots. Yes, yes. And I love that. The racial riots of night. I brought it up with, uh, on No Agenda. Dvorak just, he went, holy crap. And Chicago yeah. is primed for that. And when it starts to get hot, people's money start to get low. Add some chemtrails. Right. And then not only that, then you add some, okay, now we, we can really go out and protest because it's warm, it's hot. You're going to start, I think you're going to start seeing more. Uh, Loitering. Yes, more law, and, and all of that, but mandate. You're saying you're going to see more pushback against the mandates. The one in DC was large for you're saying for something of that. You know, just what it was. Yeah. But when it gets hotter, mm-hmm. you're going to start seeing more people come outside. Um, and this man, the OSHA mandate is not the mandate issue. <laughs> That's not it's. But the government did that, like I said, in you're saying in collusion to coerce people. Yeah. Uh, and, and it gave a tip to the hat to the corporation. Like, go ahead. We won't, we won't get in your way. And that's where the real, for me, that's where the real anger comes in. Cause I thought the government works for me. I mean, <laughs> like in, in, in theory, in theory, I'm just, yeah. of course, I mean, but to see, that's the, that's that underlying thing I'm talking about. It's like, 
yeah, we say that, but it's like, nah, the government don't work for us, but now it's being proven. So it's like, oh, well, I was right all along. Right. So I guess we can go ahead and get into part two of this clip. A lot of times when people usually get to that point, they usually explode and it causes them to act or do things that they later regret. The important piece for black men is that we have a lot of justified anger given the issues that are going on, but we don't want to hold on to it and we don't want to allow it to manifest in a way that's detrimental to ourselves and the ones we love. We must understand that anger can be destructive or constructive. When it's destructive, we harm ourselves and we harm others. When it's constructive, which is known as righteous indignation, it can lead to change and transformation. It's not about eliminating anger, it's about eliminating the destructive nature of anger. We're emotional beings. Anger earmarks our human experience. And in some cases it can be used for good. For example, Rosa Parks in her anger didn't give up her seat and that led to change and transformation and reformation for us as black people. Yeah, I, I like this guy. And and I and I will say just thinking about how you answer my question that yeah, there's a there's a stigma of someone rooting around in your mind. You know, you can also say that is ignorance, you know, learn about what therapy is and how it can help you. And uh, a podcast like this is obviously encouraging. Right. But I'll say that two things I want to one, I want to point out the Rosa Park thing. Mm -hmm. If Rosa was Ron Parks. (laughs) Yeah. Point made. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like that is even then Mm -hmm. it was. Mm -hmm. We, of course, we know Rosa Parks was, you know, was it was some staged something yeah we know she was she, it came two weeks after for the pr yeah after the right, real and event the Hugh, her with hugo black and the mm-hmm. people that were saying was backing her but what i'm just saying if that would have been ron parks instead yeah. of rosa yeah that would have had a different different story outcome right so now we have to have this constant calculation in your head is like what's the acceptable like, level of anger so what happens is okay you press it down press it down press it down press it down and then we explode then everybody's like oh where'd that come from he's crazy mm-hmm. and it's like no <laughs> i've just been eating shit for a long time and taking it and out and, and the men in general in this today's society is expect to suck it up take it suck it up you know if you exhort exhibit any kind of behavior that was like aggressive that's toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. So <laughs> yeah. you have this powder keg of being pushed down and even toxic masculinity. That's always been the case for black men, because at, like I said, all, if you, all black male anger is toxic is what you're saying. It, it's perceived. At, right. And then our counterparts, the women it's kind of celebrated that they can be angry. Yeah. You go girl. Like, right. Exactly. When you have somebody go, I mean, corporations actually look for that. Uh, trait because they can weaponize it you know for their business mm-hmm. to go in there be a fire starter you know <laughs> uh oh, but no that's that's done. the quintessential you know uh-uh oh no you didn't you know that's that's cultural now that's cultural across all racial lines that's just what you, all right pff, respect for that woman correct and you see like i mean because all, all all the time whenever there's a dmv <laughs> uh yeah, right. scene yeah, in a yeah, movie yeah. or a tv show <laughs> you're so there's right. some black woman playing that role <laughs> let me just to say what you're saying yeah it's even baked into the archetype uh Often, to say yes. it's okay for them to have that kind of outburst but for men it's like even when you raise your voice and i mentioned this before on the show even when i would be at work when i was still physically there in the office 
and I'll be mid thought, and like you get a scowl on your face when you're mid thought. Mm. People will come by and say, oh, "You all right? You all right, Mo? Really? Everything okay? Really?" Yes. So you have to be conscious, even of <laughs> that's some deep uh, ass programming, man. It's heavy on it's, all it's, sides. <laughs> on all sides. Yeah, and, and it's and it's not like I said, it's not just American. I'm talking about people that for all over the world. Sure, uh, that would come like, "You okay?" You are everything all right? You know, oh, and oh, you get oh man, Mo, Mo's got you. that Kunta Kinte look again, everybody. Okay, back up. Right, well, that Nat Turner look. You Nat Turner has been at Turner. Right, so, that, but that's, wow. a, that's a real fear. And I, I don't want to be able to point, but. No, but you, is, it sucks to hear this. It's horrible. And just to speak on therapy. My, now, my mom, she's saying she's a, she's a licensed therapist. You know what I'm saying? Like, so <laughs> therapy has been, you know, talked about in my house. Baked, since baked the 80s. Into, into the family, yeah. Right. But what I, me and her have this debate <laughs> going back and forth is I think the way we do therapy in this country uh, for poor middle class people is broken. Oh, I'm sure it is. I'm because, without a doubt. I'm sure it is. Without even you, knowing enough about it. So, because when you have somebody come in and say, all right, we got 50 minutes. Let me tap into your brain and give you some drugs and we'll fix it. Well, not even drugs, but surface that issue. And then they look at their watch. I'm like, Oh, your time is up. You know, let's just leave it right. Put a pin in it right there. And we'll see you next week. Now, hold on. You, I can't bury that stuff back. Now I'm going out to my life for another six days before I come back here to therapy again. And you've unopened or you unearthed this, uh, whatever the issue is. And now I have to take this back into my real world. I think that's a very broken system. Um, and that's but, that's not just for poor people. That is the rich people version also. But the rich people version usually includes group therapy, which are very interesting activities. I've participated in a few. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where you really get to expand a lot more and go a lot deeper in, believe it or not, a safe space. But the, the typical therapy sessions, that's kind of how it goes for everybody. Except but maybe what I'm for the first is you one. You can pay for more. Like you say, you can get group sessions, you know. Yeah, you that's, come uh, back, uh, you're yeah, absolutely right. I'm just saying that the, the basic therapy session is your 50 minutes looking at the watch. Sorry, you got to go. That's kind of the same. But then, of course, if you have money, then you can expand as much as you want. Right. But if you're on the insurance plan. No, no, you're screwed. You're screwed. Yeah, you're screwed. And it's like you come home and like everybody looks. And I'm, I got transparent again. I've never went to therapy before. Uh, don't expect that I will go to therapy. Um, that's just me. And like I said, that might be a stigma. It might be a stereotype or whatever, but I just don't want somebody poking around in my head because that's, and that may, like I said, my mom is a therapist. So that is a very probably ignorant take on it, but it's, it's very, I'll say it comes with masculinity. You always want to seem like you're in control of things, even if you're not. That's just like the the troping meme of "Are we lost?" And your dad's like driving. <laughs> He's like, "No, we're we're not lost." <laughs> but you're lost as hell, right? right? But it's like I can't let the wife and kids know I'm lost. Mm-hmm. You know, because I'm the navigator. I'm the guy behind the wheel. You know. Uh, well, so this you- is so a lot of these things we're discussing. Um, mm-hmm. To me, also shows, and and of course, this is also being destroyed is how the male-female model, when it, when it's in harmony together, works so incredibly well. Because, yes, Rosa Parks, if it was Ron Parks, would have been a different story. 
But if it was Ron Parks and he was um, 80 years old, it might have been yet a different story. You know, so there's there's all these different types of uh, things that are that our individual and our sexuality just have on a social scale. When you work together, it's really good. So that's just that's just my take on it. And quite honestly, I suck at directions. And I've just given that to my wife. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just going to turn the navigator voice off because I like yours much more. And you tap on the window a little bit to let me know which way to go, which is always and, fun. And it's funny you say that because that was kind of like the mom was in the passenger seat with the map. Yeah. And she's like, I don't think we're in the right, you know, so, but I'm just saying like the stopping and asking for directions. Oh, fuck no. I'm not going to do that. I'm a man, damn it. Exactly. I'll figure it out. I'll see. I'll see something I recognize. No, no, no. I'll, you know? I'll pull over. I'll pull over. I'll look. I'll bring out the sextant before I ask for directions. Uh. Uh-uh. Or, or or I'll run out of gas, and at least that gives me an excuse to go to the, the gas, gas station. station. And hey. While I'm in here paying, it's like, hey, hey, you know. <laughs> right. So, it, but it, it, it's it's. I speak about this to say it's very destabilizing uh, the effects on masculinity and that need to hold on to the masculine it just makes the situation worse mm-hmm. <laughs> i would say um so i guess we stopped at 2b let's go ahead and get into 2c interesting enough i'm not a big fan of the notion of getting rid of anger when we talk about eliminating anger anger is something that can't be eliminated but it's anger is something that can be managed and controlled first we actually have to develop a vocabulary around other emotions besides just anger and sadness we need to be able to identify when we feel helpless when we feel frustrated when we feel disgusted when we feel shame the way we manage anger is to acknowledge that we're angry but beyond that we need to know what our triggers are knowing what our triggers are helps us to respond accordingly this is why i tell black men that it's so important to be introspective it's important that we be able to sit with ourselves and examine ourselves and ask ourselves out of curiosity why we show up in certain ways after that it's important that we learn to take a pause a pause is good because it allows us to collect our thoughts and think of possible ways to remedy the disagreement black men it's okay not to be okay and and that's the uh, that's the point where this show comes in at doing the show the process of it, it it provides time for introspection uh it occupies the mind uh because i wouldn't know what i would be doing if i didn't have something to do in <laughs> saying this situation went down uh you ha- you will have a lot more time to uh uh just it like for it to fester you know, it's just like, uh, you know what I'm saying? You just, you just like harp on it. Mm-hmm. So that's what the good part of this show. And then the good, it's, it's good to, uh, they, they like to say there's good anger or there's a good way to channel anger. But I think a lot of times people don't know how to do that. Uh, that's, that's um, a very untaught skill. Sure. Either, either either we pack it down or we or we until it's an outburst and now those are the two me, um, mechanisms for dealing with anger now i would say this two points i made was frustration and shame once again i had to be very tr- transparent a lot of my anger comes from frustration of being less in limbo point, well that and then just 
at this point in life, being 41 years old, you kind of had your map set, right? <laughs> like the kind of things in front of you is like, okay, I'm going to do this for the next 10, 20 years. I'm going to do this. The kids are going to be here. Once they get grown, then we'll do, you know, you, you, you're setting up for that, the middle game. Like these, <laughs> this is the middle game. Right. And to come in is just somebody it's, just yeah, it's the a shitty over. time. It's a shitty time in, in life to be confronted with it. Right. Because you got to maintain what you got. Cause that's where the shame comes in it. Cause it's like, I, I can't lose my house. Yeah. And this is, this is go to speak to the guys that wrote you letters. Like it's the shame part of it. it's like either one, they probably get their identity from their work. Cause mm-hmm. like people are like, who are you? Well, I'm an engineer. I'm a doctor. I'm a, you know, that's, they, they speak their vocation. Some people, their vocation is their identity. So if you separate them from that, it's like, who am I? Mm-hmm. You know, that's the question you had to ask yourself is like, who am I? Uh, then the shame of, just being out of work, uh, for me, it's family members I haven't even told yet. Right. Uh, <clears throat> because, once again, you want to go back to having everything in, under control. Uh, so the shame part of it, and we talked about sign language, right? It's shame, insult, guilt, need to be right. Uh, shame is a part, big part of it. And it's like, if I can avoid this shaming feeling, but then you feel shame because you lied about it. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> so, so it's either like, damn, like I can't get away from this. So yeah, shame and frustration for me are the two biggest things. So, and um, just, just for me to you, I mean, you got nothing but shit to be proud of, man. Your change yeah, and, and here. That's the thing. Like it's being an entrepreneur in itself. And working for yourself, there's a like, there's a certain stigma that comes along with that. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Because it's it's like you 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 eat what you kill kind of thing. Yeah. And and people that are working, and because I can, I can speak for them. I mean, I've been in the working class for you know all my life. It's like, well, there's a certain uncertainty that comes along with that. Uh, definitely especially yes especially if but that's seen as a negative because like, people have this for perception, people yeah like, for well, people who aren't entrepreneurs that is the one reason why they aren't entrepreneurs that's exactly right because right, they don't like that feeling but when you switch lanes mid-life if you came into the game of entrepreneur that's one thing it's like okay that's that's him but it, like if anybody if somebody came to you and say well you know i'll quit my job to start a restaurant the first thing in the back of a worker person, my like, that's pretty crazy. Mm. You feel what I'm saying? Like, even though it's not crazy, the person thought out there saying, thought out their plan and that kind of thing. But it's like, you got a good job here. You know, <laughs> it's like, uh, you, you sure you want to do that? What if you fail? These are the questions you start to get. Well, that I, I, I did go through that. Uh, specifically, when I dropped out of college, my parents gave me one month said you're in this house for one month and either you are back in school or you're paying rent or you're out and that motivated me and then i uh i I got a job in television (laughs) crazy but that's how things go sometimes and even though that was like the most mind-blowing thing that could happen to anybody most people around me were like well be careful you know you know show business Mm, you know it's not you know have something to fall back on Right, that's that's the that's the key right there. Something mm-hmm. to fall back on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. If you're something to fall back on, oh, either well, you walked away from it or it's been taken from you, it's like okay, 
Yeah, you're gonna just walk on the high wire, huh? Mm-hmm. And now the risk versus reward is greater. I mean, well, the reward is greater and the risk is higher as well, but it's a certain mentality that was being baked into Americans specifically. Yes. That you go to job, you go to school, you get you saying you get, you know, some kind of training, vocational, either educational, uh, and then you go get a job. And you 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 you're saying you live in that and uh you live in that space until you retire. And this is the social contract that's been, you know, written for all of my life. I can't speak to before that, but that was the understanding. And now for somebody to say, I've done all the right things. I checked all the boxes. I worked hard. I understand. I, I, I grinded my way up, you know, up your sense of where I'm at. And then for somebody else to come in, and decide how that goes. Uh, yeah, that <laughs> that's, that's where the frustration comes in at. So I understand. So now we got to go back to show 13 deconstructing Kanye uh, because we've seen Kanye deal with this uh, publicly, you know, being called crazy and because, you know, of his outburst and mm-hmm. his take, yes, his, yes, 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 his yes. hot takes and those kind of things. You know, they're just saying, Kanye, just get get back in line. You, know yeah, don't, like, don't, you got a good life, Kanye. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're, good, you're a rapper. You're a producer. Why do you want to be an artist? Why yeah. do you want to be a fashion person? Mm-hmm. Like this state, mm-hmm. this state, why, why, that's crazy. So now we got to go back. And this is Kanye uh, from show 13, uh, number five. Kobe Bryant won five championships. He sprained all kind of muscles all through his body, tore ligaments. And for people to go to Kanye West, where I'm playing in the highest level of mental sport, I had Mark Zuckerberg wanting to meet with me. You know what I'm saying? I have people come to want to meet with me that are makers of the world at this point. So I'm playing at this mental sport as a black man, post-Pac, post-Biggie, Puff Daddy, Jay-Z, in debt, completely controlled. The management knows how much exactly you're making on your tour, and it's just $2 less than what your house costs. Hmm. And I'm ending up in debt every year. And then I have a breakdown. I should have a hospital in the back of our room for what I'm dealing with. Don't don't NBA players got like knees iced every time? I need to just like leave every day, just go right to UCLA for the level of game and sport that I'm working at. But we don't make Kobe's legacy be about one torn ligament, and my legacy ain't about, oh, he got mid-12. That just come with the level of sport I'm playing at. What you talking about? People's trying to sun me left and right. Yeah, that was a good episode, too. So what that thing about, you know, people trying to sun you in. So this is the other side of it. Like, cause like I said, I'm a free man and I don't regret anything. So I want to make this clear. Now I have zero regrets, but when you make a decision, there's pros and cons to it. And when you start to map these things out and then you start getting feedback from people, it's the stunning part. Like you did what? You know, so like I said, certain family members I haven't told, the other family members that you told, the first thing I got back, like, you got kids. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they can help produce, damn it. No, but <laughs> think, like, just think about that. Just think about that for a minute. I'm saying I don't want to do something for me and my personal health. And it's like, but you got kids. It's like, but I don't want to do this for my personal health. But you got kids. Mm-hmm. So it's like I'm supposed to sacrifice myself 
And this goes back once again to about the sacrifice is sacrifice yourself. If it doesn't work out or you're dead, you got heart issues, you know what I'm saying? All these other things that come along possibly with it. And of course, it's not everybody, but this okay. I, I had to ask this question. We always ask about what's your number. Here's another what's your number. Mm-hmm. Okay. Say we had a gun and we were going to put a bullet in one chamber and spin it. How many empty chambers would you need to say, okay, that's a <laughs> risk I'm willing to take? Yeah. 10, 10 chambers, a hundred chambers, a thousand chambers. Like when, when would you, when will you play that game? Cause I'm not playing that game. You see what I'm saying? That's basically what they're asking me to do is oh, just spin it. You know, it's like there's nine, there's nine, 999 chances that you won't get shot. You know, it's like, whoa, it's like, hold on. Well, that's people who don't share the same uh, opinion about what this, what the shot is. And they don't see it as, you know, hey, you have options, you know, and they see that as the easy option. So it's ignorance. Right. But I'm just saying, like, what would be the acceptable amount of empty chambers that you're willing to take that risk with one live round in one of those chambers? You don't have to ask me, man. I'm, I'm, no, I'm just I'm saying. So it. I'm just, yeah, yeah I'm, of course, we're in the same boat. I'm just saying that's that's the mindset of. Oh, just spin the spin it. Man, well, you know, I get a version of it like, well, you can't even see your daughter. So that's right. And she can't see me. That's right. Right. It's the same thing. It's on you, dad. You know what I'm saying? How are you, you not going to take that risk, dad? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you, you're sure people something. Oh, you're must be a bad dad. You want, you're saying let this let this small thing stand between you and your daughter. Yeah. Well, fortunately, so my, say- my daughter has the same opinion. So she, she right. has the same so obstacle. These, yeah. I'm just saying this is the kind of mental game that they play in sunning you and they wonder why or how it can impact your mental health. Mm-hmm. So I just want, I just wanted to point that out because as we've seen with Kanye, if you don't do what's expected, then you're crazy. Yep. Uh, but, and on the other hand, if you're from other communities and you don't do what's expected, you're innovating. <laughs> he's so innovative. He's risk taking, you know, he's a cavalier. He's a maverick. You know, they have all these terms. <laughs> yeah. yeah <that's laughs> for true. other people. You know what I'm saying? It's like, hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. You know, um, like it's like Elon Musk. You know what I'm saying? Like if he was a black man, like what? Electric cars. Crazy. <laughs> well, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe. You no, know I'm saying maybe. like with the it, with this is the genesis of the idea. If you if you would have said that like before he actually built Tesla, well, like, he, you want he, cars well, around batteries? You know, so That's he, crazy. But, right, but he he didn't build Tesla. Elon Musk is not a good example. I, he's okay. he's a figurehead to me. He you know he was put in charge of Tesla. It it was already it existed already. Okay. Well, I'm just saying like the narrative. You know, what I'm saying like if 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 Whatever, if you're going to take a risk, then you're crazy to take a risk because Elon is African, is take, by the way. He is African. Yeah, he's the, he, he's the richest African-American ever. <laughs> That's right. In history. That's right. <laughs> we always put respect on his name. Uh-huh, uh, but, yeah. So let's go to, now we're going to go to show 41 and I forget what title this, what uh, I had the title somewhere, but show 41 nonetheless. And this is Tupac and he's going to talk about being locked on the outside and you know, and no, that's that's not it. He's going to talk about, you know, getting rich and the greed in America. This world is such a, um, and when I say this world, I mean it. I don't mean in the ideal sense. I mean in the, uh, every day, every little thing you do. It's such a, give me, give me, give me. 
everybody back off. You know, everybody's like, you taught that from school, everywhere, big business. You want to be successful? You want to be like Trump? Gimme, gimme, gimme. Push, 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 push. Step, step, step. Crush, crush, crush. That's how it all is. And it's like, nobody ever stopped. Just, you know, I feel like instead of us just being like, slavery's bad, slavery's bad, bad whitey, bad whitey. I mean, all right, let's stop that. And everybody's smart enough to know that, I mean, we've been slighted. And we want ours. And I don't mean by like uh, ours, 40 acres and a mule, because we passed that. But we need help. I mean, for us to be on our own two feet, us meaning youth or us meaning black people, whatever you want to take it for. For us to be on our own two feet, we do need help. Because we have been here. We have been a good friend. If you want to make it a relationship type thing, we have been there. And now we deserve our payback. It's like you got a friend that you don't never look out for. You know, you dressed up in jewels. Now America's got jewels and they got, they paid and everything and they lending money. To everybody except us yeah this this was back when uh he still talked like that and it, you you could still get an interview with him like that right so that was, that was 92 yeah but i just want to show from 68 to 92 you hear the same uh the same sure, mentality. same the same message it's the same thing it's yeah. like hey you know you want us to be good you know what I'm saying good citizens take part in this american dream but you know you want to dictate certain things to us, and not you're saying not allow for upward mobility. Now, of course, this is not race based with this shot, uh, but it's still you know we're gonna they're kind of picking the winners and the losers. Mm-hmm. It's like how how can you do that? You know, and and it becomes so pressurized that you know people. I don't think people really understand where we're at. It's so many homeless young men out here. It's, 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 I mean, you're saying, and it's specifically black men because I talk to them. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, when they start, excuse my language, like I use on cuss like this, but when they start giving a fuck, America has a real problem. Like, I don't, I don't think they understand what's really going on. No, they don't. They don't. When the homeless people stop caring, when the, when, you know, when the homeless, the hungry, the out of work. This is what you see in the Great Resignation. A lot of people are just throwing their hands up, like, whatever. Let, let's go. Whatever it'll be, will be. You know, and yeah. it is what it is. Add a sauce on top of that, or we're all going to die in ten years from climate change. Just as a narrative that just floats around. And then the racialization of everything, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, without any explanation, you you factor that in. Then you factor in. That you know, men men can't find women, or they can't if they find a woman, they can't take care of a woman. No family, nothing to live for, no kids. Like America, I'm telling you, y'all sitting on a powder keg. Now I don't know how it's going. The trouble is going to manifest itself, but it's I see all the parts because I can truly empathize. Am I in a better position than most? Yes. Am I immediately? My life's going to change. No. But the fact is. When you come and upset somebody's life like this, how this normally looks is you're being evicted. How this normally looks is, you know, you had to pull your kids out of certain things or, you know, things that you were aspiring to, buying a home and those kind of things. Now my down payment, I got to live off of until I find another. When you start dashing people's dreams like that, it's a, it's a, it's a very, it's a, it's a powder cake. And I know I said it, but I want people to understand like it's a it's a reason why there was a social contract. There was a net was just out of the goodness of the heart. 
it was if these people get pissed off enough, it could be real trouble. Yeah, and this kind of brings in your demolition man theory. Yeah, because what? They pushed them to the last point they could go <laughs> underground. Once you put me underground and eating rat burgers, <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah. What? What? Uh, what <laughs> What what you're saying? What do you want from me? You're saying like where where where's the lose for me? Where I mean I'm at the bottom, you know. So yeah, that's why I keep harping on the demolition man thing. Once you push people underground, and that you know they get comfortable there, and it's like well the only thing between between me and success is those people, whoever they are. You're gonna get a natural reaction, and Tupac got another clip from him. He's going to explain that once we stop asking, then the demanding will start. It's interesting how um, hip hop, rap music in the beginning, or a song like Grandmaster Flash is the message, where basically they were saying, you know, it's like a jungle sometimes. I wish, you know, I wonder how I keep from going under. The whole root of what that song was was basically saying, look, these are the problems here. You know, and here we are 10 years or plus later, the problems are still, still there, and the intensity of the music has built to the no hope, the I don't give a attitude um, how did we get from from grandmaster flash the message to where we are now in in hip-hop um, again you have to be logical you know if if I know that in this hotel room they have food every day and I'm knocking on the door every day to eat and they tell and they open the door let me see the, the party let me see like them throwing salami all over the I mean just like throwing food around where they're telling me there's no food in here you know what I'm saying every day I'm standing outside trying to sing my way in you know what I'm saying we are hungry please let us in we are hungry please let us in after about a week that song is going to change the we hungry we need some food after two three weeks it's like you know give me all the food we're breaking out the door and after a year and you just like you know what I'm saying I'm picking the lock coming through the door blasting you know what I'm saying it's like you hungry yeah and that's why you see the trains. I'm like, we're seeing stuff like people are robbing trains. Mm-hmm. People are walking away from their jobs in mass. This, what this symbolizes to me, and just like I said, through my experiences, people are unplugging from society. Uh, and I don't understand. I don't think people understand how problematic that is. You know, uh, it's some well armed, <laughs> uh, you know, elements in this society that can make things very hard. And that, like I said, this goes from Tupac from 1992 was the first clip to 1994. And you could hear like the disen, you know, saying disenchantment with the mm-hmm. system. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, well, and even at the same time, he's, it's, he's achieving so much success. Personally, but he was th- seeing things get worse, you know, for for people around him. So, like I said, I just I just want to bring this, you know, bring this to the light. Yeah, because yeah, it's it's really people weren't listening. And and what's cool about it, in, in a sick way, is that hip hop was just completely commercialized, culturalized, and people the 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 words just became meaningless, just became a story didn't become fact or truth or reality and, but hip-hop is the voice of the underclass sure 
It's you know, even even today, we need to listen to what these kids are saying. And I don't say I don't mean kids disrespectfully. I'm saying the young, like once they get to the point where I don't even care anymore. When you get to that point, that's when a person gets to the you know point where I don't have anything to lose. Yeah, that's a very dangerous place to be. Now, luckily for me personally. I've seen a person go through a change like this. Uh, my father and my mother, they went back to college you know what I'm saying, in their 30s. I mean, literally back to college, not not like go to uh, uh, Phoenix. You know what I'm saying? Not like, I'm talking about picked up the family, uh, quit their jobs. And because my dad saw it, he was like, okay, uh, in 84, 85, he's starting to see like the jobs leaving the country. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So he's like, well, this job, I mean, because he had a good job. He was a technician. He had, you know what I'm saying? He had, his, he had the equivalent of what it was, two, two year degree. And he had already achieved enough credits to get it, but you know what I'm saying? He hadn't, you know, didn't know that he had enough credits. He was just still going to school. And um, he finally realized, and him, him and my mom sat down, like, you know what? If we want a better life for our kids, we need to make a decision. And they packed up their things, packed us up. And we moved to a college town and they went to a university. Now, when they got there, this is where I'm going with this. This is where the no man house, my dad ran into it. Because they told him, it's like, well, because they couldn't find daycare for me mm-hmm. because he was there. <laughs> so, and the, and the social worker literally told him like, well, if Mr. was to leave the house, we could find daycare for Mo. Wow. All right. And the and reason that, why I'm that was, this and up, that was what year? The 80s? 1984. Wow. Yes. So this is not some antiquated thing. This is, this is, I've lit most of the stuff I talk about on this show. I've either lived it or one degree away from it. And my dad was like, hell no. I'm like, he basically cussed the lady out. I mean, that anger, like once again, like what, what are you saying? Even to, entice yeah that's insane but it was sad i mean like normal like hey you know what i'm saying if he leaves we can give you all the help you need and i'm seeing the same thing crop up now because when you lose your job you lose your insurance child protective services is a very odd division of government well i have a whole i can say i have a yeah it's it's very ham-handed at best. Mm-hmm. Let me just say that. It's one approach solves all problems, which in these cases, no family is the same. No child situation is the same. Like, I don't want to say it goes too far down that rabbit hole, down that rabbit hole, but, and we'll talk about that on upcoming shows, trust me. But the fact that, what I'm saying is when the, a woman is presented with the, the state, which can provide Right, mm-hmm. she's looking at her man like you ain't working. Yep, and then some mind like, well, you wouldn't even. And then, then it becomes, and it's not my personal situation. Let me make it very clear. But when she looks at you and say, "All you had to do was take a shot," you know, <laughs> right? And then she's like, "Well, this government will offer me Medicaid or Medicare, whichever one it is. Uh, if you're not around." And I can get help. I can get daycare. I can get this. Mm-hmm. This we're gonna see a no man in the house two point oh, I believe. Um, and the 
cool thing about it is pre- previous to the show, because this is coming from, and I, I know there's a lot of throwback clips, but we had to look at them in context now of, you know what I'm saying, uh, in a certain way that we haven't looked at them before. But long before me and you hooked up, you and John were doing the No Man in the House, because this is actually from a, a No Agenda clip. Mm. Uh, I had covered it as well, but this was from one of the shows that one of the producers sent me back for show two. Uh, but this is a recap of No Man in the House 1. <laughs> Before we moved into Pruitt Idol, the welfare department came to our home. They talked with my mother about moving into the housing project, but the stipulation was that my father could not be with us. They would put us into the housing project only if he left the state. Oh, yeah, that's right. The state. I remember this. Mm-hmm. And and like I said, that was then. Now we're talking about 1984. Uh, yeah, Mr. Saying, hey, if you just leave. Everything will be all right. <laughs> we'll, we'll stand in as the father for you. And I got a weird feeling, an eerie feeling this is going to be the scenario once again. Because once you run through all your savings, once you run through, you know, every option you have. Yeah, uh, it's going to be one main difference. And it's going to be a digital payment with a digital wallet with a central bank digital currency from the Federal Reserve. That's how they change the system. They're going to remove retail banks and you're going to get direct direct pipeline to the government, which gives them the ultimate control of giving you something extra or taking something away. And they can cut you off any minute. You didn't do this. You didn't get your update. You know what I'm saying? Your kid's not updated on their shots. Or you watch the wrong Netflix show. <laughs> or listen to the wrong podcast. Like, Dude, like, shh. on the odd cast pay. Uh, uh, no. I'm, just, I'm sorry, but I mean, like, you know, you know how it goes? I mean, yeah. this is the times that we're in. But, I'm there with you. So let's just get into this second no, uh, no man clip. The welfare department had a rule that no able-bodied man could be in the house if a woman received aid for dependent children. If a man lost his job, he's looking for work, he still had to leave the home. And there was even a night staff of men who worked for the welfare department whose job was to go to the homes of the right. welfare recipients. And they searched to find if there was a man in the home. I remember also our our second episode talking about this, how mind-blowing it was to really understand in depth what had gone on and was still going on. And, and it's coming back. In <laughs> and, 1984, it was going on because, the, the, just to wrap up the story, my personal story, uh, my dad was like, before I leave, we'll have to send Mo to live with his grandparents. With his auntie and uncle in Bel Air. Right, <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, with grandma and grandpa in a rent control apartments, which I.e. was in the country, they call them projects, but mm-hmm. they were rent control apartments. And literally, you would see men running out the back door. When the inspectors came. Yes. Yeah. So, I've, like I said, I've lived this. And so now it's like, okay, now I see where the state's at with this. Because whether I'm right or not, I feel like there's an enemy trying to break me to their will. And I don't care how 
how uh, kumbaya or namaste and all that you are, when you feel like you have a target on your back, it's going to make you angry. Yeah. It's going to make it's going to make you angry. Now, like I said, my anger is different because I do have other options before me. But that still doesn't negate the fact that someone arbitrarily just threw you're saying a whole damn wrinkle in my whole life behind what for what reason for what outcome yeah uh, again i only have one answer what what is that i mean like say say it one more time it's (laughs) intentional it's intentional so then so if it's intentional what is that now that ratchets up the anger it's like if it was ignorance it's like okay they're just ignorant you know i mean even though i'm mad and i'm saying it was ignorant you know what I'm saying it was an ignorant mistake but if it's intentional now i gotta see like how far are you willing to take it and i think that's where a lot of people you heard one lady said about the mask you know what I'm saying it was in the news i'm gonna show up with all my guns loaded Did you hear, did you see that? Did you see no, that clip? I, I didn't, but I understand. I understand she, it. She was at a school board meeting. <laughs> she was like, "I'm going to show up." You know, when you start hearing people talk like that, somebody needs to dial back the pressure somewhere. Well, I think Canada will lead the way. We'll see what happens with these truckers, and that will uh, that's either going to be resol- it's going to be resolved one way or the other, and it's going to happen pretty soon. I don't think this will last very long. And uh, you know what? We'll that, that's where we differ at. And this is it's perspective. Because this system, they know no stop in my mind. They know it. it no, I don't, I don't think we differ at all. I'm saying that protest is not going to last very long one way or the other. I thought you were talking about the pressure. No, no. The pressure is on for a long. This is just the beginning. We're just getting started. Okay, I, I misunderstood what you're no, saying. No, 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 no. Oh, no, pressure, I'm with no. you on that. This is this pr- is why we connect so well. We know that these are reptiles doing this. Like this, like uh, I think it was uh, Nilly Fuller said, "Don't be confused to think that they're confused." Exactly. <laughs> it seems like they're like what? They're all over the place. Like what are they doing? No, do they know? Can you ask that? Do they know what they're doing? Do I mean? Do they realize? That's the thing. <laughs> that's the question. Like, don't ever begin your when you're talking about they capital they. We don't ever begin your sentence to say, do they realize? No, they do. They, they, they realize what they're doing. And I've been caught up in it. And like I said, it's the frustration and somewhat of the shame. Because if you never not worked, like, how do you say that? I don't even know how to say that. Like, I don't work. I'm not working. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a, and like I said, that's a personal issue. But that's still a weird sentence for me to say. But you are working. You you may not be uh, employed by a company, but you are working. I'm staying working. Yeah, I'm st- <laughs> I'm definitely working. Definitely but what working. we're just saying is employed. Let me say that. When you say you're not employed. Yeah, but you don't say that. I say I'm self-employed. Right. But I'm, I'm coming from a place of being a worker for 25 years. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know. That's a I that's know. a weird sentence to put together. But I but I also I also know you a little bit, and you've got it all in you. You are you have everything you need in there. Oh yeah, and this show is not all doom and gloom. But what I'm saying is, first we have to understand what it's like. This for, is not for solely others. about me. <laughs> yeah, because like 
it's people out here that made the same decision I had and they don't know where their next check is coming from. Right. Their next dollars coming from those kind of, you know, so I have to speak for the experience to say one to them, go talk to somebody uh, for the people that know people like that. Reach out to your brother. You're saying and your sisters, whoever you're saying, but for men, like I said, I'm making this show about men because the expectation to provide is baked into our identity. Absolutely. So it, that's, Absolutely. So that's hard hardcore. I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> like I tell my wife all the time, um, if people come to our house and it's messy, they're gonna look at you. If we're put out on the street, they're gonna look at me. That's right. just the social norms of it. Nobody's gonna be like, uh, like, wow, did you see Mo's house? It's really a mess. Right. You know, what is he what is he doing over there? They're gonna look at the woman because it's just assumed that the woman takes care of the home. That it may it, like I said, that could be totally far from the truth, but social expectations mm-hmm. I'm talking about. And social norms. So we talked about no man in the house, and my dad, he was placed with the same thing. And he was like, you know what? I'm not gonna come to the you no know, no man in the house. So they sent me to live with my grandparents, which I think it had a impact on me to live with older people for a year and a half, two years, and gave me a perspective like no other, because their their wisdom it was constantly you know what I'm saying just showered on me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so and. Um, you just, I mean, like I said, you just get another kind of love from grandparents. You know, uh, sure. it's a little different from parent love. So I don't regret that, and my parents don't regret that, but the stigma and shame my father felt. See what I'm saying? That mm-hmm. you had to send one of your kids away, and we saw this with the Great Depression. See, these things, like I said, we uh, it's not harping on history. We got to look backwards. Um, the Great Depression, a lot of people had to send their kids away. Uh, because they were starving. So it's like, here, here we are again. I wasn't starving, but it's, if they wanted to have a better life, then they had to send me away. You know, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. I so it. it's, and the shame that he felt, uh, even to this day, he apologizes to me. It's like, Dad, what are you apologizing for? He's like, well, you know, I had to do what I had to do, you know, for the better life, uh, that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I, like I said, I've I've experienced someone in the middle of their life make a decision uh that's a better decision in the long run but it's going to be hard it was hard those years when they went to college i mean no <laughs> uh, kidding uh it was like the one place two places we ate out it was like domino's pizza <laughs> uh and that and, and, and wendy's like we would actually get like go to wendy's like a steakhouse yeah and i remember to this day like with the ketchup like pumping the ketchup in the cups and man you would think we were going like to scissor or something <laughs> or roof crisp <laughs> so, so, yeah Aww. um yeah but like that's the you know him making the best you know saying of a tough situation so this next clip is from the family and that was the uh the christian illuminati basically oh yeah <laughs> ran uh ran by doug co mm-hmm. and this also comes from the Con- uh, kanye uh episode but this is the family, the black guy talking about, you know, the frustration, but also uh, dealing with anger as well. And often men, especially who are confronted with themselves, they don't like what they see. And they don't like it being 
put in their face and spoken to what it actually is. And it's ugly, it's debased. But my point is, is the shame keeps us locked in our circumstances. And then if we don't deal with shame right, we start blaming. We blame our wives, we blame white folk, we blame black folk, we blame the economy, we blame doctrine, everybody! There ain't nothing scarier in this country than a free black man speaking. Why? Because we've been through some shit here. <laughs> yeah. That was another good one. Yeah, so that's that's the... With all this anger said, and it may be justified that I feel angry, I put myself in this position, right, to be dependent upon a company for this long. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's their choice at the end of the day, whatever they want to do. So what you have to do is reflect on yourself and say, how will I not get myself in this position again? Right. Like, right? But it's, you want to absolve yourself of your, you know, what you took part in, even though there was a social contract, even though there was an understanding, uh, at the end of the day, if somebody else feeds you, you're at their behest, right? You know, so this is what we have to accept. Uh, well, a lot of young people younger than you, but a decade younger, are just kind of now figuring out that there's no free lunch. You know, it's like if you accept... Not even if you free accept, lunch. No, but if you accept something... Yeah then there's going to be strings attached to it. Right. And, and it's it, not even about a free lunch. It's about there's no lunch. There's no lunch. <laughs> right. Exactly. You like, even there's, there's no cafeteria. You're saying you had to go out and kill what you eat or you had to eat what the cafeteria gives you. Yep. Uh, I'm sorry. I apologize. You're saying, but uh, for, for stepping on you like right there, but no, no, it's okay. No, it was just like I said, I'm I'm in my own head right now. And like I wanted to do this episode. And I went back and forth on it, still about the shame. It's like, well, you can't let you know, you gotta keep up airs. <laughs> that's that's the thing. You gotta keep up appearances. You gotta keep up, you know, uh everything is all right. And Well what you're uh, what you're doing here is um I think this beautiful to listen to. You're um venting. Yeah. You know? Yes. You've you've built your own barbershop here. I may not be the right guy to uh, be uh, saying stuff back to you, but as a man, I can. And I think everyone who listens has the same feeling. It, it is kind of like, hey, we're in this barbershop. This, this brother over here has got some shit to say. <laughs> and it's and good. It's good to hear it. And don't underestimate the fact when we come and do this, it's very helpful. A lot of the times when I make shows is what I'm either processing <laughs> or... Yeah. Um, or being made aware like oh man we need to keep an eye on that or maybe people are going through this and this is not about me because yes I am angry were, was angry may continue to be angry but it's how do I channel that anger into something constructive and that's what I hope people take away from this whether you're dealing with a loved one a wife I mean a wife dealing with their husbands husband dealing with their kids or dealing with themselves or brothers, whatever else realize even when people say they're okay, they're not okay. Yeah. This is a very good point. Not to be okay. Tina and I remind each other of this often. If someone has a weird response about something or, you know, families, just stuff. And uh, we always had to say, okay, let's just look at their situation from their viewpoint for the past two years. 
you know, let's just bring that in for a moment so you can kind mm-hmm. of, okay, uh, all right. So someone may be a little more on edge than, than I may be. Yeah, and, and, and they may be dying for you to say something to them. Mm-hmm. Just like, I wish somebody would ask me, am I okay? Yeah. Uh, and that's why, like, when you separate somebody from their job, you separate them from a part of their culture. It's a, it's you no, know, we have work families. And yes. somebody that sees you every, you know, saying every five days a week, every day at the lunch table, they can sense something ain't right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like, do you all right? It's like, nah, honestly, I ain't. You know what I'm saying? And then you get in a conversation about the time the lunch is over. Mm-hmm. You're all laughing and you left it there, that kind of thing. So at least like, because the people that you work with, they share your social economic status. No, it's it's not just a job. It's very important. It's, right. it's an important part of life. And they can understand when you say, oh, well, you know, my transmission went out. You know, you know what I'm saying? A couple thousand. Like, ooh. Like, because they understand, like, we make similar money. So, yeah. <laughs> I understand how that hits you. Whereas if somebody either they don't have a car or they don't have or they just have the money, they might not understand. So, just the separation for that, I would say to people, start forming your own groups. Mm-hmm. I think that's why the no agenda meetups are so important. Oh yeah, I think yeah, I think that's why the facts family when they come to the live chats, they look forward to seeing each other. Um, so yeah, so it's you have to start forming your other groups because we've have been me personally, no church, no barbershop, no job. Uh, that I, that is very isolating feeling. Now I, I'm playing this next to the clips. Uh, it's four clips. And this is a 1960 frustrated uh, man demands America keep their word. The reason why I'm playing these next four clips is when I hear this, I hear my father. And then now I also hear myself. Uh, and it pro- hopefully it gives you some insight to that racial program I talk about, how it, how it forms. So let's go ahead and get to the first part of that clip. You know, this this... This revolution is filled with so many ironies, really. Uh, first, you tell us that it is manly to keep your word. All right? If you are a man, you keep your word. And now all that the black people in this country are demanding, and even the black people in the whole world are demanding, is that you keep your word. You told us we were free. Well, then show us that we're free. You told us that there is justice, equality for all in this country. Well, then stick to your word and let us see the justice and equality for all. Or else admit to us that you're not a man. You're a worm. You're afraid of us. You're afraid to give us equal stand. You're afraid that if you give us equal ground that we will match you and we will override you. And if that's what you're afraid of us, then then tell us that just what you're afraid of. But don't keep hiding it from us and, and holding this up to us. And every time we ask you for something, you give us a little bit of something. And it's all tokenism. We don't want tokenism. And there are most black men in this world that don't want charity. And yet still every time we ask you for something, you give us a little piece, a little piece. You're playing games with us. We're not children. So you hear the intensity. Yeah. <laughs> and like I said, that's my thought. Fa- like, that's what time my father's on. Like, even in his age now, he's an intense person. So, that's, like I said, when I hear him, Shit, man, I you're, hear you're like, li- you're like living with Fred Sanford. 
Well, I'll say this. <laughs> <laughs> my dad is a mix between, I would say, more George Jefferson. George Jefferson. Okay, yeah, that's yeah, it. <laughs> that, that's, I mean, like, ser- seriously. Uh, and maybe James Evans, like, and Bill Cosby. Like, if you put all of those in, like, a... Oh, that sounds uh, pretty cool, actually. <laughs> yeah, because, because, one, charity, what he made there. And that that's what makes you say, I'm good. Right, and saying, even my somebody asked, oh, "Now nah, I'm good." Hey, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Hey, you need, need something? Now nah, I'm good. Even though you may be broke and don't have a dollar in your pocket, before I let you know I'm not good, I'll go hungry. Mm-hmm. And maybe I said, maybe these this is the most ignorant mindset to have. But when you have the it's this appearance thing of, uh, well. If I ask for something that only reaffirms in your mind that black people can't do for themselves. So we got to fake it till we make it. Hmm. Uh, and like I said, I'm going through the mental process now in my own head and transferring it out to you across this microphone for, for people to feel me. Yeah, I feel you. It's like, okay. Well, let me, well, let me ask you. Let me ask you. Please something. ask. Man, please ask stop me at any point and ask because okay. I want to make sure we. So, so when we, we when we first connected and you know you reached out to me and we're chatting back and forth, and then uh, I think I suggested, hey, we should do this as a podcast. Mm-hmm. Now, and I don't know if you if you can answer this or if you want to, but did you for at least a while think, hmm, we'll see. Let me let me just be, give you a complete, complete, honest answer to this question. One, I would would never ask you to do a show if you didn't ask me. Right. That goes that I'm good. Which that's an ignorant thing. <laughs> like that would have been dumb of me not to. But that goes to the I'm good sense. Like, right. I never ask for help. A lot of things with the show, it's, it comes out of that. It's like man, I could I can do this. No, no, you actually came this. offering me help. You never asked me for anything. You were telling, you were giving me information. I was asking you for stuff. Right. So I'm just saying that's, that's how you, you know what I'm saying, validate your place in life and in the world. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I got this. I got this under control. Now you asked, uh, in the back of my mind, what, what do you mean in the back of my mind? Did I think you were just blowing smoke? No, I mean, or that I was, was I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just curious. No, just, just, I mean, like, I mean, so. Did you at any point feel, oh, here's this white guy going to help the black guy? No. Okay. Good. I didn't, I didn't didn't never think that. I thought. But I, but I can, uh, but you understand why when you talk about your programming and I'm, I'm hearing some of these things, that would mm be in, there you go. We've learned something. The things I think you're thinking because of a small difference in, in us. Are not the things you're thinking, <laughs> and the shit you're you actually you're actually pissed off or worried about. I'm not considering. Yeah, and, and I'm going to ask you a question. Give you a scenario. If you'd ask me to do that without me proving myself, then I would have probably took that approach. But the fact that you waited to see and you decided to work with me based off of my ability and skills, mm-hmm. it never okay. crossed my mind. Okay. okay. <laughs> so yeah, that's true. It, that's true. Because if it would have been the first time, it would have been like, oh, this is an outreach program or a charity. Because I got, ac- I got accused of that. 
I'm sure you did. Yeah. But they don't understand yeah. the work that we did. You're saying prior to it actually coming to the public. Correct. Correct. That we both got to some understandings. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's the timing that you chose to use of saying, hold on, let me wait. You know, not even wait, but I'm asking this person because I've seen that he's a valid uh you know, he's capable of this. I liked our conversations. Have- I thought it would be fun to record them. <laughs> right, right. Which, like I said, what y'all are witnessing, it is basically what we would do, you're saying, in general. Uh, yeah. You know what I'm so- but, that's, but, but this is my takeaway. Mm-hmm. Um, very important, actually. So the stuff that people were worried about, and that, of course, I also it crossed my mind, it's not something at all that you that you thought about, even though, of course, I had no reason to think that because you're absolutely right. It, it was I was only thinking of a show when I thought, "Holy crap, we're talking for an hour. We should do an hour and record it." You know, little did I know it would consume like an entire day. <laughs> I'm just right. I'm just kidding, Mom. I'm just <laughs> fucking with you. Um, you know, and but still, that was what uh, was circling around. And you had no thoughts of that whatsoever. And then, you know, I'm hearing today, of course, stuff I understand. It's universal, mm-hmm. but stuff that I didn't know. And, and that's that's kind of what this show is about. Like I said, this is more of a personal show because oftentimes I make the show about the content, whatever the story is in the media and just how I perceive it. But this is an inward look to say what's going on outside. But this you, is how it affects me internally. You didn't tell me that or us that you witnessed the no man about the house when we did that show. Right. Why not? Because it was more about the story and not me. Mm. Now it's, that's why I say a lot of these clips, <laughs> they're, they're throwback clips, but we're looking them at the, in, in me internalizing or how it affected me personally. Before it was about the, the presentation that I was trying to give on the topic. Got it. So it's, it's like I said, this I was a little leery about using throwback clips uh, because I want to make sure we always have fresh content. But in these, you got to remember, I grew up with Tupac. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Ninety two, I was twelve. Ninety four, I'm fourteen. No, you were you were this. you were consuming that shit like no one else's business. I was living it, not yeah. consuming. You it. were living it, <laughs> right? right. I, I'm actually because that fifty. I mean, of course, when you were a teenager, like rock stars and those kind of things. You know what I'm saying? They you actually live it, you know, because uh, it, it has an impact on you. But you know, we were we were living this mentality. So I'm just going back and saying this is what, this is how these things stack up, you know, and shape me. And like I said, these next three, well, four clips total, but these next three clips is that what shaped it, shaped my mindset via my father. Like you don't ask for help. You know what I'm saying? You don't let nobody know, you know, you need help. Yeah, I'm good. You don't ask for charity. Uh, and it, this is not exclusive to black because one of the famous scenes in a, a awesome movie, Cinderella Man, when he finally had to go to the welfare office mm-hmm. and get help, once he got back on his feet, he went and paid it back. So it's a, it's a very old masculine mindset um, that you don't, take charity that you don't take help uh no i don't need no help lifting this no i got you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. you don't yeah. ask for help but what i'm saying to people is it okay to ask for help because if you're feeling like i'm feeling and i gotta stop right now you of course i thank you you're know saying but i also gotta give thanks to my man e-class 
He's been through this process with me through the whole thing. And that's what kept me sane. The conversations me and him having, you know what I'm saying, behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, because yeah, we know, worked I, at the same... I know, he's re- I know he's really important to you. Yeah, because we worked at the same place. So he understands what I had to go through to where I got. You know, and but at the same time, he took the jump off the porch earlier than I did on being an entrepreneur. So now I can go to him and ask him like, okay, that kind of thing. So you never know how important your brother is and how important, you know, um, they are to you. So I got to stop now and just thank him. Uh, as well, like I said, we, of course, we do this here publicly. But I just want to give him his, you know, saying his flowers now while he's living. Because <laughs> while he's living. <laughs> yeah, cause, like, right. Because that's the, the, you know, because a lot of times I'll be like on edge, like, man, I, I can't believe they, they, people playing with me. <laughs> right. But uh, he was like, man, it's all right. Because he remind me, like you reminded me, you're a free man. Your future is bright in front of you. Um, Hell yeah. Right. But they they upset my whole Apple cart. Oh yeah, <laughs> sure did. Had, sure did. Had, you know, what I'm saying I was on the verge of buying another property and all these other things, and like they just kind of just came in and like just kicked dirt on all that. So that's where the anger came from. But we can go and get to the second clip now. Well, well, big man, I've seen my father have to put up with all kinds of stuff. He was a big man. He raised a family. He went down south, and he had to go around to the back door with his wife. We're not asking for anything. We're not asking for any favors. All we want is what's ours. Now, there are many black veterans who are coming back, and they're mad. They're angry. Do you think that they're going to sit down through this? Our fathers didn't have the knowledge that we had. They sat through it. But there are other black youth that are not going to sit through it. We know about Che. We know about uh, Fannin. We've read the books of our revolution. We've listened to Mao and his quotations. We know where we stand. We're not going to sit for it. We're asking, and if we ask and we don't get, we're prepared to stand up and take it. If I ask a man, I tell a man I am hungry. I tell him I am cold. And I ask him to do something about my condition. And this man holds a loaf of bread right in front of me so I can see it. And I keep asking him, I'm begging him to please give me a slice of the loaf of bread. I am hungry. Then it is known by every psychologist that the next step in the progression is I am going to knock him upside the head and take the bread from him. I'm not going to starve to death. Wow. It's 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 really interesting. So the exact same example as Tupac. But this mm-hmm. guy also has the cadence and kind of this the sound of Kanye. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> and you got to remember, Kanye's dad was a member of the Black Panther Party. Yeah, yeah. And you heard what the dude said. We we read the books of Mao. Like, yeah. like once you once America, once we realize if you, you're not going to hold to your word, that was the mindset then. Yeah, the yeah. We'll, we'll become commies. Yeah. Whatever I mean, like who? Whatever we'll go with someone else. It's like it's like a product. If you buy a product and the brand is start to fall off, <laughs> you start to shop around looking for another brand. Yep. And I'm just, like I said, I'm, this is a warning flag. This is a, this is not a. <laughs> I'm not recruiting for Putin. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? This is not what I'm doing. What I'm saying is, all those people in the streets that are without jobs. That, you know what I'm saying or without and without prospect you know, without future prospect that's the, uh, that's the main thing the prospects 
uh, because, you know, we always can find another job. But uh, when you ruin somebody's career, because all it takes is one year, one blank year on your resume, you're done. Mm -hmm. I mean, seriously, one gap year. Let's just say if I stopped working for a year and you're saying I had to go back to look for a job, I'm done. I'm toast because, like, what did you do for that year? <laughs> like, well, well, like, nobody wants you, so we don't want you. Kind of right, mentality. Right. So this is the kind of thing that's being played, and I'm glad you pointed it out because he said the same thing that Tupac said. It's it's plenty of food around us. We're seeing billionaires double their wealth. Yeah. And then we're seeing the bottom people saying, I don't want to work. And I'm not saying bottom and saying in a derogatory way, but People to just say, you know what? I'll just, whatever you're going to give me, I'll take it. Uh, we're seeing them be all right. So it's like, why am I going to bust my tail? Yeah, it's, it's uh, not, it's not a good position. Right. So, um, and then, like I said, the way the corporation handling these things of, you know what I'm saying? Like basically waiting people out, starving them out. That's the other things like no severance package. Mm-hmm. Like seriously. I mean, like, really, this is how y'all feel about us. So now you understand the disdain. It's like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, no severance after 15 <laughs> years. No insurance. Nothing. Not, not like, even okay, a, so not gonna e- let me go. Not go even ahead. a personalized letter. Not even. Yeah. Give me a form letter. Not even hand signed. So you're going to you're going to say the best thing we think for you is to leave you without a job and health insurance during the world's deadliest pan- pandemic. That's that's your idea. Sounds good to me, Bob. Yeah, so that's that's the thing. Like, <laughs> okay, so all right, so but don't come crying to me when shit hits the fan, right? Because I'm telling you, this is not, this is not, this is not what. But I'm not confused that they're confused. Exactly. This this is what they want to happen. So yep. what now? I got to look at it and say, hold on, hold your horses. Don't take their bait. Uh, just like we know, they're trying to bait people into being getting kinetic taking you saying physical action and i have the warn of that as well so this is why i'm saying understand your anger understand the source of your anger uh and it's not just the mandate it's a lot of people that lost their businesses uh due to the shutdowns and those things of those nature there's a lot of people losing their businesses to the supply chain issues uh from destabilizing the workforce uh where they can't find people that can will are willing to work because the government, aka is daddy, is uh, uh, um, is you know basically supplementing the people not to work. It's like stay at home. So it's all these things, and I know I'm not confused. They're confused. So what are y'all really trying to do to us? That's my question. Like, what are you really trying to do? Um, uh, and, and it's, it's 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 a huge problem. But we can we can continue on and go to uh, number three now. All we're asking, no one wants to see blood. No one likes the smell of blood. No one wants war. Anyone who's been in war doesn't want war. Everyone knows what it is to see the inside of a man's gut hanging out and see your friends die, see relatives die. No one wants to regress back to the state of mind where you have to think it's all for the cause, therefore my mother has to die, my wife has to die, my brothers and sisters have to die. No one wants that. But you're pushing us to it. 
You're leaving us no choice. We're asking, we're begging. The students up at Columbia, they ask. The brothers down south ask. The brothers in Latin America, the brothers in Africa, they're all asking. All they're doing is asking. Our fathers asked. Our grandfathers asked. The presidents of our universities, our colleges had to go to your back doors to beg that their children be given just enough money so that they could be taught something to live off. And, and yet still, they asked and asked and asked and you refused to give them anything. Now, we're, all, we're just about out of patience. We're not going to ask anymore. And that's the whole point. We're just about out of patience. In the 1960s. <laughs> right. And like you said, like I said, the my father, I seen the way this country, you know what I'm saying, dealt with him and my grandfather. And I was that one generation post uh, state-sponsored racism, Jim Crow, that kind of thing. I never saw a water fountain with a, Right. Color sign on it. My dad did. Mm -hmm. And his dad definitely did. So it's right when you think like <laughs> I own the Godfather, right when you think when you think you're out. Yeah, they suck you back in. You pull me back in. Mm -hmm. Just in the, and like I said, I thought it would always be I thought the race car would get me. Who knew who would knew the Vax car would get me? And and that's like I said, and that's that's a very morbid way to look at it. But that's the mentality that's suppressed. You know, I have, I have a wonderful life, present tense. But at the same time, it's like you have in the back of your head, like some, some crap can go left. It can go left. You know, is it, is this my time? Is this where, you know, and then when I saw it, but luckily enough, I was able to see it coming way off and I prepared myself appropriately. But if I didn't have that sixth sense of some shenanigans about to go down, I could have easily been in a far worse position. Say if I would have told you, no, I don't want to do the show, Adam. That's not really, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's not really something I want to do. You know what I'm saying? And then this happens. Where does that leave me? You feel what I'm saying? So... Mm -hmm. I thank you for creating a genre of podcasting <laughs> in well, general. And a lot of other people do as well, I'm sure. You know what I'm saying? Because now it's twofold. One, it gives us an outlet. And then two, it also gives us an opportunity, you know what I'm saying, to uh, earn as well. Well, and and there's a third is you are spreading information that um, I have never found before in this format. Um. So you're you're helping people understand, and it's uh, it's it's benefiting the it's benefiting the world. So this is this is this is to me. I mean, I think you said the other day we were talking about stuff, and said, you know, what happens if uh, if you blow up and you got like five hundred billion dollars, and then you won't want to do the show? And mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was like, no. Even if I had five hundred billion, this show I would still do. <laughs> <laughs> this is the one. This is the one I think I would pretty much do for sure. Right, and like I said, you could have took that the wrong way, but you see, that was so. No, what I'm saying is, you could have not said you would, but that was me saying, waiting for the other shooter drop. Not you specifically, but that's the that's the in general. Way we, yeah, yeah, yeah. In okay. general, that's yeah. how we process information. That it's like, well, bro, it's it's. I, like I said, I seen how this country did my father and my grandfather. 
uh, and we had to talk about that another day. Right, but but just, but, but just so you know, when mm-hmm. certainly when you're an entrepreneur and when you're not, but even you know, hey, I, I was fired many times for the stupidest reasons mm-hmm. for my actual appearance. Uh, you know, didn't want to cut my hair. Um, you know, never for something that I you know that really you know that I messed up. But in general, um, I know that that's what was promised you, and that just doesn't. That just that certainty is gone. That that was ripped up. That's clearly that's you know that's out. But let me tell you, now that you're free, and now that you are, um, yeah, you got your head on straight. You, you I mean, which you always had. You're a fighter. You're highly knowledgeable and intelligent. Man, we are happy to have you on our side with the you know with people who aren't gonna despair. All right, and, that, and that's the main thing. Like I said, this is just me. What you're hearing with this show, hopefully, people it translates like I hope it is. This is not Mo being angry and you know just just no no we're, no, no we're titling the show pissed off black man i mean that's that's what we're doing obviously this is, otherwise you know let's, let's we better put on the tin what's inside <laughs> no but it's not like i said it's not that i'm being angry what i'm saying is you're seeing the process of the stimulus and then going through the whole anger process Sure. I hope, hopefully, on what, why I felt this way, how I felt, why I felt this way, you know what, what is it, it, is it's under the surface. Uh, it's not like I'm walking around the house kicking, you know, <laughs> stuff all over sure and that kind are. of thing. Yeah. It's it's a stewing effect. Yeah. And what I'm saying is, me, there's as a country and as a world, we're seeing it's bub the pot's bubbling. You know, either somebody had to turn the eye down, take the pot off, or take the lid off. Something's going to happen <laughs> because if this pot keeps boiling, it's going to get, you know, out of our control. And what I mean out of our control, I'm not talking about they because we can't control they. They're lizards. You know what I'm saying? It is what it is. Um, what we have to do is, one, not let them turn us against each other racially or across the pro-choice, the pro-choice argument of the, around the vaccine. Right. Because that's what they hope to do is have the infighting, cause infighting amongst us like in 1919. It's like, well, the immigrants don't like the blacks and the whites don't like right, the immigrants. And, right, you know right, saying? Right. Neither one of them deal with the blacks and the blacks, you're know saying, that kind of thing. So I'm trying to avoid that because I see that's where we're headed. Uh, and just to speak to that more, let's get into the fourth and final clip of the segment. The news media says that it's only the young that are militant, only the young that want this and want that. Okay, but we're 40% of the black population now. Or we were a year ago and still yet we're climbing. Before long we'll be 50%, 55%, then we'll have the command. We're not going to take it. We're not going to take sitting in, in rotten parks and in, in, in places that just aren't fit for living. We're not going to take it. There's a limit to a man's patience and everyone knows that God, Christ, heaven, everyone knows that what we're asking is not a million dollars. What we're asking for is humanity. We're asking to be allowed to live like human beings. And God, you tell us that this is too much to ask. 
You're sick. You're definitely sick. How can you tell me that it's too much to ask to be a human being? You know, just to make it even sicker, I just learned mm-hmm. today, you know, the Federal Reserve, there's this weird law that they uh, they can wait two years before publishing stuff they did. And in mm-hmm. 2009, we had the stimulus, which, you know, we were told was $876 billion, close to a trillion dollars. You know, it was trillion five, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And after two years... Uh, the Federal Reserve went to court and said, "No, no, we need. It has to be a total of ten years. We really, we really just. Uh, so this is now 2012. Said, no, we really need uh, another ten years. We need more time to be able to to get all the information together and publish it. So this just came out. Do you know what the number is of the money that they created and gave to banks, not just in America but worldwide, in 2010, 2009? 2.1. $29 trillion. <laughs> now, we, when you hear that, now I'm going to say you my first reaction to the racial programming, but you can't do atonement. Exactly. That's that. This is why I bring it up. The guy even says, we're not asking for a million dollars. Now, of course, this was, you know, this, this, uh, screws all Americans, citizens around the world, actually. It screws everybody. But that audacity, exactly what you're saying, this is, there's your proof right there. Plenty of money to, to do all that. 30, almost $30 trillion. That's, that's more than our entire deficit. Now, I think we just hit $30 trillion mm-hmm. uh, as the known deficit. But there's no money for atonement or anything or anything. And and, and just to, before we get into it, we, we're being this, robbed. We're being robbed blind. Right, and that's the thing is like that's what the the, the analogy of Tupac was saying. You know that the money is here. You know they have the money. It's how they choose to spend it. Mm-hmm. Because remember those shovel-ready jobs when that money was being handed out? <laughs> oh, yeah, shovel-ready. And then the amount you just said, almost $30 trillion, but now we have bridges falling down? No, but that, but that, but that, that's not even the money. That, that, that's the secret money. That's the secret what? money we didn't even know about. What I'm saying is, but why in this country yeah. should we have bridges falling down when we just ran through $30 trillion? Well, there you go. So, and at the time, you had people complaining about schools and poor neighborhoods and those kind of things as being... Hello, Baltimore. Uh, right, being deteriorated, you know saying deteriorated. And then it's like, see, it starts with us. <laughs> while, you're, while our schools were in poor shape, those bridges were getting even worse. Oh, yeah, shape. no, it's accelerated. This is this is not even... Uh, in fact, this, this show won't even be about race in a year from now. No. And that's, <laughs> that's the point. Like, it's, it's more they've pushed us in the same corner... Uh, it'll be self-evident. Like you said, this this is bigger than race. This show yep. is not about race. It's about how we perceive things differently due to the racial programming. But you're saying, and what I mean by programming is just the how you digest it and interpret it, okay? But what, through this lens. But the mistake, the mistake is by not by not hurting everybody equally in the timeline, this show, mm-hmm. and certainly we're not the only ones, are able to understand that this is what's coming for everybody. 
Right, we just the beta. <laughs> we just the beta test. Yeah. Like you when are. they roll out the rollout, like when they, like when Jim Crow was just the beta test for where we're at right now. It was just the beta. Like that's okay. that's a T-shirt. Jim Crow was a beta <laughs> test. I kind of like that. It'll of course be misinterpreted, but <laughs> of course, of course, it would be. But that's why I can see and made the meme of the vax and unvax water fountains. Yes, it, I can see it coming. It's like, can you not see it? And mm-hmm. that was over. You know, almost two years ago, I think, when I made that meme, at least over, close over to. a year. Yeah, close to. But um, with all that said, that ends the first block of the show. And now we got to thank the pay- people that makes this show possible, the producers. Yeah, and uh, and just because I felt we really did him justice today, uh, we'll listen to uh, Malcolm X. First, the white man and the black man have to be able to sit down at the same table. The white man has to feel free to speak his mind without hurting the feelings of that Negro. And the so-called Negro has to feel free to speak his mind without hurting the feelings of the white man. Then they can bring the issues that are under the rug out on top of the table and take an intelligent approach to get the problem solved. That's the only way that they'll ever do it. Well, I think it's obvious that uh, now more than ever, this show depends on your support, uh, and it's highly appreciated. Uh, and we do have some executive and associate executive producers to thank. It's a, a very nice showing, certainly because we're two weeks quick in succession. So very, very appreciative of that. Um, and uh, I also have some boostograms that have some beautiful amounts, uh, but I'll do those separately uh, okay. just just to keep it because it's uh, it's a confusing amount of administration. <laughs> First, our executive producers are, uh, well, Stephen Page comes in with the top amount, so he totally deserves to be called out. Shot caller, 20 inch blades on the Impala. Big baller for episode 75, and he has 175.75 as his donation amount and says, Mo and Adam, thank you for all the hard work that you do. Plug for Kratom Batch Kitchen Tea Custom Blended Tea. Request I have a good base of people that enjoy the product. Okay. So that's Kratom Batch Kitchen Tea Custom Blended Tea. Mm-hmm. Uh, here is 175.75, 175 for the uh, uh, 75th episode mark, 75 cents for the 75 threshold. <laughs> Would like to do a Mo meetup here in Chicago. Well, not in Cook County because of max, uh, mask and vax card mandates. But uh, let's see if we can hook that up. We may have to wait a little bit until after the race riots. <laughs> you might you might want to get it in before <laughs> you, hey, or before, before the race riots yes complete lockdown but i, I want to say one thing i am so happy that steven got big baller because he's been w- one of our day ones mm-hmm. uh and boots on the ground chicago with all he knows all the business about the chicago politics so i am happy to see him get this big baller oh and we're happy to see him um and the support and the value he gets to return it that way appreciated timothy cato uh, $150 from Timothy, executive producer, to keep the lights on and info flowing. Much appreciated. Amy Mullen, 105. Hey, Mo and Adam, love the show. I have a war and peace note to send at some point, but I wanted to celebrate Mo's freedom and send support immediately. Please play a Mo Karma for Mo and everyone else. Love and light. <laughs> You've got Mo Karma. Beautiful, Amy. Thank you. 101.01 from Kyle Mann who says he very much enjoyed listening to the show Duke Power while driving across several states to visit my girlfriend for the holidays, especially having lived in Chapel Hill as a transient for a few years and getting some more context on the area's history and society. I love it when people love it. $100 and executive producership for Murray N. 
That's Murray N. on No Agenda Social. Love your work. Sorry your former employer is an idiot. <laughs> I hope this bittersweet moment is the beginning of a 1,000-year MoFax dynasty. Oh, and hi to Adam. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. Much appreciated, uh, certainly for the circumstances. Keep it going, Mo and Adam, says John Nunley with a $100 donation. Lindsay Jarrett with 100 Just listen to the most recent podcast. You are a man of principle. Hope this will help you out. Looking forward to what you will create with your future attention on creative matters. Wishing you all the best. Also, very, very nice note. Thank you, Lindsay. Mm -hmm. And uh, another $100 from Miguel Espinal. And Miguel says, just because. $100. Thank you. Uh, Those are the executive producers. Now we have our associate executive producers. Uh, Farin Barwani, 84-84. Uh, dear Mo and Adam, thank you for your courage. Please deadbeat us, uh, Farin and Fish Fanatic. Happy to do that. Congratulations. You're no longer a deadbeat. And also asking for a... Oh, boy, I hadn't even considered that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> this is such a I crossover. Like I said, I, we might even need our own. Yeah, um, we do need jobs our own. karma over here. I guess we do need our own uh, MoFax jobs karma for mm-hmm. you jingle makers jobs, out there. Jobs, jobs, and jobs. Let's vote for jobs. <laughs> You've got Mo Karma. Seven 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 from Thomas uh, Bamidel Oregon. <laughs> hey, Mo and Adam. My mom and I have been listening since episode one. Great job you both do on these eye-opening, spell-breaking episodes. I would like to de-deadbeat, and I also have a Mo Karma. De-deadbeating. Congratulations. You're no longer a deadbeat. And lo and behold, another request for jobs, jobs, jobs. (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. Seven is the number for completion in the Bible, hence 77.77. Y'all stay blessed. From Bondeviant, is that how we... Bondeviant. Oh, Bandy. Wow. Somehow I took that immediately to be like a, a European thing. Like, oh, this is someone from Europe. Bandy, <laughs> is is uh, showed up on the Lost Tapes? Oh, he's all, he- heavy in the live show. Oh, oh, all all, all, all MoFax products. So. Oh, beautiful. That's why, that's why I recognize the name. All MoFax products. Jobs, jobs, jobs. <laughs> <laughs> Special one. You've got Mo Comer. Uh, Steven Schnelker, $75. Thanks, he says. A.G. Bennett, fifty-five, fifty-five. Thank you for your courage, Mo and Adam. I've been listening since the beginning and thoroughly enjoying the content you share. Please give a woosah to yourselves and the rest of the Facts fam. Woosah. 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 Uh, associate Executive Producership for Lindsay Heitman, $50. Love you guys. Keep it up. That's DC Girl P.S. Come to a meetup, Mo. Drinks on me. Uh, she is kind of next door in DC. Yes, she is, and she's she's also heavy in the live chat and uh, excellent uh, on the on the uh, for the Fats family. Yeah, DC girls everywhere. She yes. is everywhere. Yeah, not a spook. Uh, Vance Cochier, Cochier. $50. Mo and Adam, thank you. When you come up with the family plan, I'll send the rest of whatever you need to call me Uncle Mainframe. Sir Mainframe with no agenda. I appreciate all I'm learning from your show. All right. He wants to be Uncle Mainframe. <laughs> this is going to be good. I, li- I, like, I like the fam. Uh, 
Fam right. concept. The Hall of Fam, like the Hall, Hall of Fam. Fam I'm yep. producing that segment now. Okay. Uh, and we'll have it rolled out shortly. But I did want to make sure it was befitting other people who joining the fam. So um, it'll be in the next show or two. I'll have it rolled out. Uh, so you can be Uncle Mainframe. But I think the family name is going to be cool too to see what what uh, family uh, title they take. Uh, okay. Yes. And 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 who's working on this? <clears throat> I am. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Well, very good. <laughs> uh, beautiful, Vance. Thank you very much. Vanessa Hamlin, fifty dollars, says, "Hey, Mo, just heard the news about the job. Needed to let you know immediately that Mo Facts Fam are here for you and want to make sure you can keep doing what you're doing now that you are a free man." Peace and love from your neighbor in Virginia. I live in Woodbridge. Vanessa S. Nice. Uh, Marcus Hazard, our final associate executive producer for episode number 75, $50. I went to get my car's oil changed at the end of the service. I thanked the young man for the great job well done. He then looked at me with a warm smile on his face and said, No problem, Mo. It was at this moment I knew I had to send in a donation to Mo Fax. <laughs> Not my first donation, but I'd like a D dead beating, a biscuit for my fiance's birthday on February fourth, and that phone chirp thing. Oh crap! Now I, the next tail, the next tail, the next. And it's have, coming back, folks. It's it is. Back. No, I have the next tail chirp. Uh, then he wants a, a biscuit and a D dead beating. Okay, we can do all this. Congratulations! You're no longer. A deadbeat. They always give me a biscuit on my birthday. <laughs> okay. Uh, then I wanted to run through some boostograms real quick. Uh, another okay. another great, great way to uh, support uh, the work that Mo is doing is by getting a modern podcast app. Also, if, if, if anyone decides to remove this show, you can't get deplatformed. You'll also get up the update when you're on uh, Podcasting 2.0. The update is within... Under less than sixty seconds of when we uh, uh, when we publish it, uh, and then of course there's all the additional stuff that uh, Dreb Scott does with the chapter art, and we have transcripts, and uh, you can also send us donations with uh, Bitcoin with with the Lightning Network. It's kind of like a Venmo for Bitcoin. And uh, let's see, we kick it off, and this of course will be uh, an executive producership for Brian Mossy, who sent us a row of ducks. Uh, now that's a whole bunch of twos in Satoshi's, but the dollar amount is one hundred and fifty-one dollars and eleven cents. That's a lot of ducks. That's a that's a lot of ducks. <laughs> Abel Kirby uh, also sent us um, a boostergram, uh, thirty-four dollars. We had uh, Carl Watson with thirty-four dollars and uh, Harv Hot with uh, eight thirty-nine. And um, Abel Kirby said, "Love the show." Uh, Carl Watson said, "In case the, oh he." boosted this amount in case it didn't work which it didn't so i'm glad you redid it and then uh harvat says uh, missed y'all and uh the couple of uh, a lot of anonymous and just uh, boosts we appreciate those but for people who uh send in a sizable note and donation and send a note we love to read those and uh, you can get a, a new podcast app at newpodcastapps.com or support the show directly through paypal cash app uh all different ways mofax.com go directly to the donation page at mofundme.com, easy way to remember it. Um, whatever you do, remember that this is the only way the show can sustain and we can keep on doing it and we can all keep on enjoying uh, the work that uh, Mo is really putting in here. Thanks again for producing and being execs and associate execs of episode number 75. <laughs> 
Yeah, because if not, then my only other form of protest is to buy a big rig. So, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, get your cowboy hat too. It'll look good. It'll look good. Good, badass. Um, but um, yeah, and I would like to say we have not had a boost big baller yet. So not yet. No, Brian Mossy came close. You're saying the spot, the spot's wide open. By um, Brian Mossy came very close, very close. He did. I was about to say it almost was a scandal there, sir. So now we're getting into uh, the stereotype behind black men and anger. Just so this is gonna just kind of examine that why why the stereotype is the way it is, and let's just go ahead and get into clip twenty one. You know, most Americans are really very fair-minded, egalitarian people. We believe in in equality for for all races, all genders. The challenge is that while our conscious selves are egalitarian, we still hold these unconscious or somewhat implicit biases that have been primed in us over many years, largely through media um, and culture. One of those stereotypes is we equate black men with fear. When race drops into a conversation, our executive brains shut down on both sides. So if you are a white American who is, you know, a, a very fair-minded person, when race is presented to you, your brain will start to wonder, you know, is what I'm about to say next going to be perceived by the other person as racist or biased? And if you are of color, your brain likewise shuts down, right? It says, okay, is something about to come at me that might be an opportunity to invalidate my life experience. Both of your brains are going into fight or flight mode. It's just not a recipe for a meaningful, honest dialogue around something that's so critical and so important. Yeah. Well, there you go. It's <laughs> exactly what this show is uh, combats is exactly that problem. And then, uh, but the opposite of what we do would be the lizard brain. Yes. Because they want you to get into the flight, fight or flight mode. Yep. The amygdala. Uh, yeah. So that's the whole point is they don't want us sitting down and having a conversation like we do because that defeats the lizard brain and their, and they, their way of thinking. Uh, so I brought, I brought this up one as you heard that the anger thing is scary. You know, if you're uh, if you're an angry black man, that's a scary thing. Yeah. Just to, link, to go back to, like I said, when I'm at you OK, Mo, everything. All right, Mo. You know what I'm saying? When I'm sitting here thinking and I have my thinking uh, scowl on or as my wife like to say, get those knots out of your head. Mm-hmm. You know Cause like, you know, you have that uh, those lumps in your forehead when you're thinking. Uh, so it's something conscious that you have to be. A, um, be that's something that you have to be conscious about. Excuse me. And I want to make an observation, just an observation. If you notice celebrity, I mean, not celebrities, but uh, popular people on the conservative side, there are black men typically have to smile a lot. I've noticed this and I'm just Hmm. saying, I've just noticed it because I'll I'll explain why the Democrats or the left, they weaponize black anger and they say, we're the, it's, it's, this is the Democrats play. And I want to, it goes back to the last show again. To black people, when they're facing black people, they say, we're the only thing keeping them from lynching you. Right? That's their play. Right. So they need black people to appear angry so they can turn around to the white sector and say, we're the only thing keeping them under control and not going off and tearing everything up. Now, back to my point about the conservatives smiling, that this smile kind of like says, I'm safe. I'm okay. I'm not, you know what I'm saying? I'm not angry. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and it's not just in politics. It's in, you're saying in uh, fields of work as well. But I just noticed this thing. And Larry Elders is one of them. Not saying that he personally <laughs> does it, but he's known for his smile. Right? Yes, it's no huge. kidding. Yes. Right. So that's. I was wondering like what me. your example would be. I was thinking about that. Larry Elders, good one. But the fact that you was already pre-thinking about that lets people know I'm safe. And I'm not saying he purposely does that. It's not what I'm saying. What I'm just saying is for optics purposes and politically, the left wants you angry so they could promote that and say we're the only thing that can control them. Yeah, and they have a story for both sides, right? Right. So I just want to say, you're saying that, that that stereotype of being angry is very pervasive. Because I don't know why black anger is more potent or seems to be or the narrative around it is more potent or dangerous than any other. Uh, long, long, long period of programming. Yes. So, <laughs> but I guess I, I've lived this and it's crazy because you're conscious not to smile too much, not to be taken silly. But then also not to be frowned too much to be seen as militant. That sounds that sounds really tiring. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 if you're conscious of it, now once you break through to the other side of it, you don't give a rat's ass, right? But when when you're living in the paradigm, or, you know what I'm saying, or in the duality of, uh, am I, you know what I'm saying, am I a nice guy? That kind of thing, you know. Uh, and that's another form of you're different. You know what I'm saying? That's another form of it. Of we talked about last show. If you're always smiling and nice and fun and that kind of thing, oh, you're different. It's very interesting that this mirrors or parallels in many ways the life of a celebrity. I know it's a twisted comparison. No, no, no. no you're right. But on. they're trapped. <laughs> they're trapped by it. And I've I've witnessed this to some minor degree myself. Mm-hmm. I was held hostage by my hair, for as an example. But. You're trapped, and you certainly can't be seen. You know, when you scowl, boom, cover of National Enquirer. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you made that point because it just sparked a, you're saying, a thought in my mind. Notice when Kanye, when he's caught smiling, he goes, and it's an actual meme of him doing this, that he's caught smiling at a basketball game or something, and then he just goes blank face like a stern look on his face. Right, right. So it's it's cusses you want to be taken seriously, but then you don't want to be perceived as angry. Right. You know, it's a weird it's a weird spot if if you subscribe to that way of thinking. But it's baked into your programming across all your years, you yes. know, of going through public schools and these kinds of everybody, things. For everybody involved. Right. Uh not to, you know, uh and goes back to lynching because you will be conditioned, not in these times more per se, but the men that raised us <laughs> were conditioned to say, well, you don't want to come off as angry. Mm-hmm. You don't want to come off, you know, that kind of thing. So the conditioning is there, you know, just, you know, just lighten up, lighten up, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, I just wanted to point that out. So now speaking of anger, one of the most famous angry movie clips is uh, from Network. You know, did I skip <laughs> over one? You did. You, you skipped yeah, I, over. Yeah, okay, I, I did. I want to do this, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I think I want to do it this way. Let's go ahead and go ahead and go ahead and network. Are you familiar with that movie? 
it's one of my mo- my most favorite movies ever. Are you kidding me? That's right up there with the uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I, I, which one? The new or the old? No, the old, of course. Oh, Gene Wilder. Say, please, say, please, you're, please. You're about to do, take my anger. Do you're not insult take... me, Mo. Do not okay. insult I know, me. I know. I was just saying, like, <laughs> that was a piece of crap, that second one. I don't know what that was. But Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory yeah. is one of my favorite movies as well. How about um, that? <laughs> but yeah, let's just go ahead and do it in the switch order. Let's get into 23 first. This is Network, and I'm mad as hell. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. Everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job. The dollar buys a nickel's worth. Banks are going bust. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Punks are running wild in the street. and There's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do and there's no end to it. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller and all we say is please at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel belted radios and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to write. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get (laughs) mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. So, I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so, you, obviously, you would think he was talking about 2022. I love that he even had the Russians in there. That was great. And it, and it, and it had the... um. The body count, <laughs> like kind yes, of yeah, 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 you're right, you're right, you're right. <laughs> it's like certain amount of people shot, so others killed. So, so this is where, and of course, there's that beautiful, beautiful meeting that Howard Beale has with the with you know the guy they with the the representative of they up in the boardroom, and he has that whole spe- speech as well. It's like you have no idea what you're doing, you stupid man. This is not how the world works. Right, but he was fed up, and this is kind of like how anger could, could be good, because anger could push you to action uh, if you channel it correctly. So first, I just want to identify that we are angry. That was kind of like the first part of the show, and give a, for me personally where the anger comes from and how it's perceived through a certain lens. But now it's just like, what do you do with the anger once you have it? Right, because you know, it's anger is not one of the things like I can just make it go away. You know, because it's coming from a place of being frustrated or, you know, uncertainty or those kind of things. So, um, another person that was angry was Christ in the Bible, as well as other members in the, in the Bible. But yeah, I've heard about me that. Being, yeah. yeah, me being a believer, <laughs> I wanted to get into what they call either righteous indignation or either righteous anger. Uh, we can get into 22. 
So I think we first have to realize that there can be righteous anger and then be unrighteous kind of anger. And, the, uh, and how do you know the difference? Um, certainly, I think anger means it's, it's a strong feeling that we have. And um, we, we want to have, be angry at the right, the right things and not be angry with the wrong things. And so if uh, we're angry because if this is some value of God, we're concerned about his glory, then that's the time that we can be angry and we have righteous anger. But if we're just angry about um, petty things, uh, things that relate to ourselves, things we can't get our way, then those are the wrong kinds of, of anger. I think uh, uh, we also can look at it from a constructive and a destructive kind of thing. That um, constructive anger would be focused on the problem, for instance. Uh, whereas destructive anger is just letting your emotions out and yelling at somebody and that type of thing, and you just focus on that person instead of the problem. Hmm. So this is talking about the righteous anger. And another source of my anger is just the overall impact of everything that's going on right now to young black men specifically. Cause I got to look at myself and say, hold on. If I was going through this now at, at the age, let's say I was in my 20, early twenties. Yeah. How would you feel? What, what would it be like? Yeah. Cause I'm seeing guys that took the same path. I took some of them are homeless. So, I mean, like, cause I mean, you work your way up. So the years that you were in college and that kind of thing, you're working, you know, warehouse jobs and that kind of thing where we could maybe get roommates, two, three roommates and survive. That's not even possible now. Yeah. So that's another source of my anger. Just the, that's kind of the macro anger of how society is being played with and the impact of it. And I understand as things become more and more pressurized, those, and the reason why I played this clip, the order I did, the way we talked about the body count Chicago, Mm -hmm. that's a source of this. That's young men that don't know how to channel their anger or place their anger. And what do you do? The closest person in you that pisses you off, you, you, it it comes out Mm -hmm. and people are using this anger and frustration for political purposes. (laughs) Yes. That's that third wave we always talk about. Yep. What gives, what makes a person go out and want to loot and steal and that kind of thing is that they get given up on society and they feel like society is giving up on them. So this is just more of another source when I take, when I, once I go through the process, okay, okay. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to be all right. Bright future ahead of me. Things may be a little bumpy, but you're know saying I, I at least got a runway and you're, you're saying you're in aviation. So <laughs> I just got to get the plane to going fast enough to make it with the runway I have. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's my challenge, <clears throat> but at least I have a run, at least I have a runway. A lot of these young men, they don't have that. And they just been thrusted into this new world mm-hmm. and how do you co- how do you cope with it um and i don't think and, and the fact that like i said it's being weaponized and utilized to push political motors that really makes me angry <laughs> like that makes me that that uh, makes all americans angry or at least if they know it should 
Right. And it, and it should, because a lot of these people didn't ask for this. Um, it's just the world changed up, up under them. And I don't think as a nation that should be the, that should be the process. And then you say like weaponizing immigration and those kind of things. It's just going to pressurize the situation. And then we blame them. Like, look at how they killed themselves in Chicago. It's like, <laughs> have you ever been in a situation like that? If you can't, if you haven't, then you don't understand. And I've only been adjacent to situations like that, but I can definitely understand because it's like this. I'm going to be honest with you. If podcasts don't work, if the job don't work and whatever else don't work, I got to get it how I get it. Like that, that hasn't lost, left me. You know what I'm saying? Now that could be working with my hands, working with my back or whatever else it entails. Because at the end of the day, a man got to feed his family. Of course. So I can't act like I don't empathize with people. You know what I'm saying? They had to go get it the way they get it. Now is it other options, of course, but you only know what you know as well. It's what's interesting is, you know, for years, um, I've lived in the back of my mind. I mean, really, if PayPal pulls the plug for some reason, I got a problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got a real problem. You know, there's, there's I share that problem. <laughs> yes, of course. There's all of these, there's all of the I mean, there's solutions, but Again, you, you you just start to look at a problem and say, okay, I got, I, at least I have a solution. And if not, mm-hmm. there's a solution there and a solution there and a solution there. That is also um, inherently American. We are, we do have some born in, if not entrepreneurialism ourselves, we have respect for it. Um, and it's beaten out of you. Yeah. The thing oh, yeah. is, entrepreneurial, oh, yeah. entrepreneurialism is a... It's native to humans. Yes. It's beat up out of us yeah, through good point. Good years point. of school of mm-hmm. form dependency. It's yeah. like, oh, that's scary. Go make your own money. That's scary. You know, oh, you, what, you, 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 you think you can take care of yourself? <laughs> and then when you factor in, like I said, with insurance, that's the and that's the deal breaker. And I must say to the Republican Party. You might want to think about looking at reshaping healthcare. I know they they've they've dug in on this and sure for financial reasons, but whoever figures out this healthcare situation is gonna have uh, a loyal following because that's the really that's the one thing that keeps people from betting on themselves. Yes. Well, good luck with that. I'm telling this is just like the black vote, <laughs> you know, the, the, the healthcare re- fix vote, whoever fixed that, they're going to have, they're going to, it's going to, it could be a huge opportunity for them. Oh now, yeah. I'm sure I the mean, insurance company has r- rigged and they pay both that, sides. That, <laughs> it's way beyond that, Mo. Uh, healthcare is wall street done. That's it. You don't need to know okay. much more. It's wall street. It's bullshit. There's it's shenanigans and it's deep and it's not simple to fix. So people will fix healthcare outside of healthcare individually. Mm-hmm. It'll be a lot cheaper. Uh, you'll be able to get most of what you need. And but, I was just about to say that is that whoever presents the opportunity to say, you know, we can offer healthcare for a reasonable price. Yeah, that's going to happen. That, I guarantee you, that's going to happen. Now they'll they'll have a loyal, loyal following. Yeah. No, that's, so that's I'll just say place. keep pushing it that. But uh, it just like I said, it doesn't make any sense how they hold you captive, but. Uh, let's go ahead and get into another throwback clip from Kanye because K- 
Kanye is kind of like a running theme in this. Yeah. Because he's the epitome of betting on yourself. I mean, he has <laughs> he an is. album called College Dropout. Yeah. Don't let that be lost on you because he saw early on, uh, and I wish I'd have had that clip I'll put in the lost tapes, uh, basically saying, you know, you go all your life to get a degree, <laughs> and like uh, the basically this this the punchline is his son inherits his degrees, right? <laughs> so, uh, so he's been a big proponent of betting on yourself. So that's why I use a lot of him in this uh in this show. So let's go ahead and get into twenty three a. Another thing is like this idea of like apologizing. We'll apologize for saying George Bush don't care. Apologize for running on stage with Ted Swift. Apologize for wearing the wrong color. I ain't apologizing nothing. Y'all dealing with grandpa now. I done been through too much. I'm the founder of a three billion dollar company. You think I'm finna listen to somebody online tell me who I'm supposed to apologize for? Do you do you feel like and, 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 and since you did get there, do you feel any of the pressures when people say Kanye did let him down? When we think about George Bush don't care about black people, that's when everybody was like, oh, Kanye. And then when we look at Kanye now, I mean, if we if we agree or not agree with you, just when we when you say the wrong color hat. Yeah. Think about this for a hat. This is one of my main things. It's like, what is the culture? It's like, man, this ain't for the culture. We're doing something for the culture. We are orphans, bro. We are cultureless. We don't have our own culture. We signed two culture vultures. We signed our life away. Our contracts are culture vultures. Think about everything that's cultural. Taking a knee is cultural. Being on social media is cultural. Wearing high fashion is cultural. Pushing a foreign is cultural. All these things are not owned by our culture. So who designed the culture? What does it mean to do it for the culture? That's why I do it for Christ. It's one thing that uh, about Kanye, um, he didn't do the I'm all right, man, when he really wasn't all right. He, I think he even went to Diddy and said, hey, man, I need some money. Donald Trump, give me money. Anybody invest in me, I got something going here. And he was right, but I kind of remember that as not a, not a moment of Kanye saying, I, I, I'm okay. Well, I think he did it all the way up. When I mean he did it, let me clarify what I mean. I think he played the role of I'm all right, I'm okay, up until it started affecting his mental health. Mm. And then he understood that I'm going to need help. Right. And that's, like I said, this goes back to the charity thing. The last thing any man wants to, and this, this is general to men, is to ask for help. Um... It's just, I don't, I don't know. It's just, I, I, I don't know why. I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's hard baked into, you know, our gender roles. Right, but, 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 but it, what's interesting is Kanye had financial trouble. He asked for help. Then he asked, he literally openly said, I need help. I got a mental problem. And uh, they excoriated him for it, for everything. Well, he did, he did both of those at the same time. <laughs> right. Because he tried to play, he tried to go along to get along. Uh, but when he did that, it's a new, it's a new day America speech at the at that live concert mm. that was the point of not just giving that was grandpa talking right like right, that's right, that's right. the point and that's the point i'm at like like honestly i don't like i don't give a rats anymore you know what i'm saying like not about life but just i'm betting on me and this is this is the part of the developing the free mind is that you block out all the things i said before the shame 
of admitting that you're saying that you're betting on yourself and you're taking a less secure route to success. Um, because at the end of the day, I had to live with myself. I had to look the 50 and 60 year old Mo in the mirror and say, did I leave it all on the, on, on the, on the table? Did I understand? I bet everything on myself. And I think that's what kind of what Kanye probably went through because he, he really wanted the media's exception, uh, uh, accepting him. Mm-hmm. That was the whole point of running on the stage. You know what right. I'm saying? You didn't give me my awards that I want. It's like, I, I, I'm a genius, but you won't recognize it. Then he realized that them want, and I'm just speaking from me watching Kanye very closely, but just watching from the outside. It was to the point where I don't let you validate me anymore. Your right. awards don't validate me anymore. And exactly that's when you start you seeing, yeah. but it had to come to almost costing him his mental health. Yeah. Uh, which ain't that's my, that's, Really, the underlying whole point of this episode is one, man, take a look at your mental health because it's going to manifest itself in your physical health as well. Um, And don't feel like you're alone. And if you feel like one of your brothers is being isolated, reach out to him. Pick up the phone. Don't say he's all right. He's good. You know, um, pick up the phone and give him a call and say, you good, bro? You know what I'm saying? That kind of thing, just that kind of thing. You might you be surprised uh what effect that would have. Because we're gonna get in sort of a dark portion of the show here. And I promise there's a light, <laughs> there's light, light at the end, end of the, the tunnel. tunnel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I promise you. So don't think we're going morbid here. But we have to talk about suicide and black men. Uh, I had a very informative interview with uh, Dr. Joanne Frederick about the signs of suicide along with prevention just moments ago. And, um, yeah, you got to pick up on some of those signs. You got to pay attention a lot, uh, Shannon, because uh, this is this comes out of nowhere. Sometimes you just see people who are full of life and sometimes the happiest people. And that's why they always say, check on your strongest friends, mm. because sometimes your strongest friends are the ones that need the most help. I was one of those guys that always put on this strong facade, always happy, always trying to make everybody else happy. Uh, meanwhile, I'm suffering in silence. So you never know uh, who could be dealing with somebody. So always just check on them. Say, hey, man, you okay? Everything good? Even when you think they're happy, mm. still check on your friends. Make sure you do that and your family members. Yeah. So this this is the str- only the strongest one. So... I'm going to go back to Kanye for a minute because he had a line in a song called Gorgeous. And he said, if they ever saw a black me, they probably try to crack me. So just going back to the mental programming and the racial programming that this it's a term called unapologetically black. <laughs> I don't <laughs> yeah. know if you ever heard that sure, or not. Sure. So this also plays into that uh, respectability politics. All, see, see, respectability politics is a way of them weaponizing you deciding what's acceptable or not. And they make it about frivolous and trivial things. Mm-hmm. Um, like your hair or sure. twerking or this kind of <laughs> silly stuff. But what it's really about is finding that sweet spot where you can be you and society is okay with being you being you. Like Kanye. <laughs> Like before, he was an a-hole, he was this, he was that, you know, all these things until he found that sweet spot to say, you know what? 
I love myself. I'm happy with myself. And until you find that, mental health is a real concern. Most people uh, don't find that, unfortunately, until much later in life. If correct. they're lucky, if they're lucky. And some don't find it at all, and it can definitely have a cascading effect on life because then you start seeing things. And what I mean by that is you'll see something happen and then it'll shake. This is where this is where that racial programming gets very dangerous because everything that happens to me due to my race, everything that happened to me because I'm black. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? Everything that happened to me, you know, he could, Kanye, Kanye could have easily went that way. And a lot of us easily could go that way. You know, like this is happening to me because of who I am. Uh, and then you make it personal. It's like, well, I can't change me. So then you get a doom and gloom kind of right. thing going on. Uh, and that, then it, you find yourself in a dark place. Uh, and I want to make a point here about suicide. And I want to ask you a question. Have you ever heard, or is it perception that suicide is not a black thing? Um, gosh, that's, uh, let's put it this way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and not. I mean, it's put you on the spot. Black, <laughs> no, no. Black suicide is typically not the way black death is portrayed on television ever, whether it's the news or fiction. Mm-hmm. So, so for that reason, I would have to say, um, yeah, it's not a thing. Uh, it, um, but not like black people swimming is not a thing, right? And let me let me give a little context. I'm saying with the suicide myth because the numbers are growing every day and it's young black men that are, are that are harming themselves but the typical suicide method that we see you know, saying in our community quote unquote community is the long road to death the unhealthy eating the alcohol the drug abuse mm. that kind of thing eating like I'm serious like eating is a long road to suicide. Sure. We all know what we're supposed to eat and what we're not supposed to eat. But if you don't enjoy your life, what the hell is dying young? What is that? Yep. Slap some more on my plate. <laughs> that kind of thing. Well, I mean, hey, if it's going to get me, whatever. It's that morbid, you know, if it's going to get me, it's going to get me kind of, you know, because life ain't that enjoyable anyway. So, or or in the bottle. A lot of, you saying a lot of people drink themselves to death. Now, you wouldn't classify that as a classic suicide, but it's the same mentality there. Sure. Now, I'm going to drink myself into harm, and then drugs is self-explanatory. It's, so, uh, it's nihilist. <clears throat> it's, uh, it's taking hold uh, amongst young people everywhere, but uh, sounds like this is, of course, once again, not reported. Of course not. And... and, and like I said, older people used to have this, or when you get middle ages. Uh, and I, I was uh, this is touching on a lot of shows I'm gonna cover later, but one thing that I'm gonna tell you now, Adam, one thing that dawned on me when I started working with you is 40 is not old. <laughs> no, I, I mean that in a it was in the most respectful way because I'm explaining, I'm explaining to you why. Once you're past your physical prime as a black man, life's over, you're old now. 
it's 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 in its tie to athletics. You know, <laughs> notice all our heroes are athletic. Of course, no, I, I understand. Young entertainers, yeah. those kind of things. So if you notice, there's no and a lot of actors get into this situation. There's no middle aged black actors. Either they're young and they play young roles, or either they go to the Morgan Freeman kind of thing. Right. And and, and I and I wish I had this clip, but Denzel said this because there was a reporter kept talking about you know, uh, yo the past. He kept bringing up his past accomplishments and those kind of things, and he got irked by it because he's like, let's talk about now because he understood. If, you, if I let you pigeonhole me as an old man. Yeah, I remember that. I think I've seen that one. Me and Morgan Freeman are going to be competing for roles. Yeah, right. <laughs> there's there's no, I'm trying to think like the like the middle age actors, you're saying white counterparts. There's always roles for them. But you're saying are, there's always roles written for them. Uh, but there's not in, 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 our, in our case, because... Once you get past forty, you're old. Well, no, actually, the 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 middle aged uh, actor black man is uh, the overweight police chief. Yeah, like <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Like, get him off office. Get yeah, him off office. That's the one. You know that kind of thing? Yeah. That's the one. That's the one. It's amazing that you say you you put out these uh, <laughs> these these memes because you see it. Of course, I do. Uh, I, 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 I'm gonna give you a perfect example. Uh, the guy from the office, Stanley. Yeah. Yes. 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 Of course, Stanley. Great. That's, what a great example. The Office is a racist piece of shit. No, it's honest. And you know what? That's why I love this show. I'm gonna tell you why I love the show. Because that portrayal of their black characters. Yeah. Uh, the two that's on there. Yeah, the uh, Darnell. I think is Darnell. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I forget. I forget their names. You know what I'm saying? But I know Stanley. I forget the other guy's name. But the guy with the fro box. Yeah, I think it's. Shaking. I think it's Darnell from yeah. uh, from so, shipping. Right, that kind of progress the pro, uh, the progression he went through, going from yeah to uh, the desk, yeah from the yeah. I can I could uh, relate to that. Oh, I, that was kind of like my thing. Like we're coming from the floor, you know, yeah, quote unquote uh-huh, floor. Uh-huh. So you were saying working way into the office, I can relate to that. But going back to Stanley, notice Stanley ate what he wanted. He kind of was like inviting death to come. Yes, that's uh, that awesome. That, <laughs> that's that suicide mentality that I'm talking about. Ah, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I had to give props to the office because they nailed that right on this, right on the head, as far as capturing that. Just like, oh, well, whatever. How, how sad that we all viewed that as very funny. Yes. The more you know. Yes. <laughs> it's not funny. But again, it's, again, another learning moment here. Yeah. Stanley is real. Yeah, Stanley is real because once you get over that prime. It's like, well, death's going to get me. And th- what I found out is this is not exclusive to black men. No. <laughs> but but our physical abilities is so much part of our identity. Yeah. That once you're saying, once you get the pot belly and that kind of thing, it's like, oh, I'm over, I'm over. I'm just going to wait for death to catch me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have another side of ribs while I'm doing it. That kind of thing. Um, <laughs> you know, and <clears throat> it's sad, but that's kind of the mentality. That's why you see, and now, but now you see that's why I'm obesity and COVID is running so oh, rapid yeah. because of that very thing. But let's go ahead and get back into uh, n- number 25 now. 
And it's so important to get past the stigma associated with it. You talk about stronger people. Well, 78% of all people who die by suicide are actually men. That's according to the National Alliance on Mental uh, Mental Illness because I think you talk about being strong. A lot of times men are supposed to be strong and not supposed to share their feelings. They have all these emotions and they go through these things and don't know how to deal with them, don't know how to cope with them. And that's when the help comes in. That's when the mental health comes in. That's when talking to someone and checking on other people come into play. And don't forget about the guys that are in, involved in these suicides also that are the fathers, the brothers, the cousins. Because Ian had a father. Mm-hmm. He, he has a father, Ian Alexander yep, Sr. Yep, yep. You know, his feelings and his See, emotions exactly. are going to play at this. It's not yep. just Regina King that's affected Good by point. this. All the men in his life also have to now cope with this too, which could cause depression or sadness that, that they're dealing with. So, and any time that people are going through this type of thing, surround them with love, prayer, care, and check on them. And not only in this situation, but in everyday life, check on them. You know, there was one suicide that I saw. Um, must have been, uh, it might have been during Black Lives Matter protest kind of days. Mm-hmm. This young black man, and, the, and you know, he's, the cops are, he's like, a, they were like smashing and grabbing or something. And the cops, you know, it's like, you know, stop. And he, he turns the gun upside down on his head and just blows his head off. I don't know if you saw that. No, I haven't, I haven't seen that. It was really shocking for any, for any child, really, in my eyes, to do that. Uh, but right. that was one that's like, whoa, whoa, what the hell? What, how did that choice come about? But it's, it's funny you say that because that is a suicide mentality. Yeah. To when you start smashing and grabbing and don't care and don't care about going to jail and don't care about if somebody kills me or if I kill them. Uh, this is all traits of suicide that they're misdiagnosed. Like when you get to the point where you're playing the death, the death game uh, of chasing that adrenaline rush of just shooting at people and them shooting at you. That, you know yeah, that's, then you, you're at the end there. <clears throat> but they wouldn't call them suicidal. No. <laughs> right. But it, it's clearly there. And another point I want to move into before we get into the next clip is fathers. I don't know how men cope without having fathers. Because my dad is like, you know what I'm saying, been my anchor. He's like, you know what I'm saying? Because I could tell him, I'll call him. He'd be like, what's up with you? What's going on? I'll be like, I'm pretty good. And he can tell when I'm not all right. He's like, you know, said that last three times pretty good. What's going really, what's really going on? You know what I'm saying? So the absence of fathers plays into this as well. Because, well, um, go ahead. So my father was not present at all pretty much after I was six. Mm-hmm. Um, now I forgive him because I know what he was doing, and I and you know he made he made a choice, but he always provided as as well as he could. Um, I was fortunate because I had lots of father figures in my life, older men who taught me like like CB radio. There's one one guy, another one uh, taught me a lot about um, big band music, and so there I was lucky to have people in my life. Um, but I do not have what you just said. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do have it with with some of these men, and in a sense, it doesn't have to be your biological yeah. father, but yeah. the father figure. But but I'm, I'm, with it, with that, I'm saying there's responsibility for all men to keep your eye out and to help. 
Right. And that's where to go back to the barbershop. That's mm-hmm. why that was important because you at least get a dose of that in the barbershop. Uh, they would know your accomplishments. Oh, you're graduating high school, huh? You know what I'm saying? You mm-hmm. know, keep going. Or that, that kind of, or the church, the same thing. And you've isolated these people from these modes of support. Uh, Eddie Murphy and, 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 uh, and Arsenio Hall really did a good job of kind of showing that, I think. Yes, because that's that's the way, and in and, and the barbershop as well with Ice Cube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, have yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. you have a uh, diversity of uh, age. Uh, the fact that everybody has to come get their haircut, so you get this the diversity of social social economic. You know, saying uh, diversity there. Um, so yeah, it's it's real. I mean, it's uh, the reason why I'm saying this is is. We have to make sure people don't get isolated in these times where isolation is running rampant. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, and I'll make this point: sometimes that people, even podcasting, may make people not feel alone or live streaming. Oh, sure, those kind of things because they're like, okay, at least I'm experiencing this with somebody else, or I can hear other people talk. Like, like a lot of times people like to listen to us talk because it may be the only conversation they hear for long periods of time due to isolation. Or just hear that they're not entirely crazy questioning things. That's that's another reason. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's... it's I, I want to make sure everybody's all right. And like I said, this is not exclusive to black people, but I know how we are, that we don't want to ha- have to ask for any help. You know, because we don't want to seem like we're getting charity or handouts, that kind of thing. So I just say once again, check on your brothers and you're know saying if you need help, seek help. Uh, so we can go on again to 26 now. Uh, but yeah, just just check on people because it's, it's important and, and know that if you're going through these things, that there are brighter days ahead. Mm-hmm. And I live my life one day at a time now and I wake up every morning and I thank God for the blessing that he's given me and I don't know how spiritual people are but I'm very spiritual when it comes to that maybe not religious but spiritual I just thank God that I have breath in my body because I always say that I'm far from perfect but I'm better than most and you have to understand that no matter how bad you think it is sometimes you have it a lot better than a lot of people in this world but you still have to continue to try because tomorrow could be that day where everything turns around so uh if you need help there is help available there's a lot of people to talk to uh, once again the suicide prevention hotline is out there but also just your friends your family your pastors everybody and once again 1-800-273-TALK is a suicide prevention lifeline uh, that you can uh, reach out to uh once again and if you feel that way please speak up and and i'll uh, i'll add one personal experience at the almost at the end of the show here okay. um I had a moment in my life, uh, I had a two-year-old daughter, I had a, a, a big house, a mortgage, I had a couple hundred bucks in the in the bank at the end of the month, and I got fired. And it was real this time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did not tell my wife, I didn't, I didn't really talk to anybody about it, I just was freaking out internally for five days just trying to think what can i do what can i do what can i do what can i do and the part that was good was the coming up with scenarios what can i do because that benefited me later but the feeling that i had when on the fifth or sixth day 
I got that like phone call and in the, in my case, they hired me back for four times as much. I decided right then and there, the one thing I'm not going to do is let it eat me up inside. And, and that's my point, right? That's, that's the, <laughs> you just surmised the point of this whole show. It, well, and, and it's something I was fortunate enough to just, and I, I'll be honest. Um, I'm always honest, really. Um, mm-hmm. It was uh, Anthony Robbins. <laughs> he had, back in the day, he had cassette tapes. And I remember watching him, you know, on some info uh, infomercial late at night. And I'm like, okay. So I ordered his tapes, the Power Talk tapes. And it really didn't take me more than listening to one. And I totally got it. And it was exactly what he said. That feeling you have with your sad, happy, uh, you know, uh, jealous, all these feelings, you have the power to change that instantly. In a snap of finger, you can change that feeling internally, and actually only you have that capability. Um, and somehow that had stuck with me, and when I was in that position, I, it, it, I, it, only when I was fortunate enough for it all to end at that moment, I realized all the game playing, all that was good for what can I do? What are my options? But the feeling is what will kill you. It will. And that that's what can consume you. And, and the mental loop that you said, because you can't stop it. No. Oh, once, no, no. You can't once sleep that mental anything. Loop stop, no, starts, no, no. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm not going to say you can't because we can do all things, but it's breaking that mental uh, loop. Like, you know, like you were saying, you five days, you're just fretting uh, what's going to happen next. What is you, know, you start playing out in these scenarios, start playing out in your head. Uh, so I'm glad. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Uh, but I guess we can go ahead and get to thank the rest of the producers. Yes. Um, hold on a second. Let me give me our little effect here because... I'm going to thank uh, our producers came in under $50, uh, but not unimportant. Uh, Christopher DiBiase... Uh, forty nine ninety nine. <laughs> Keep fighting the good fight, and that's towards you, Mo. Of course, C. Davis. Thank you. Forty six dollars. David T. Vargas. Thirty nine ninety three. Great palindrome. He says I've been slipping on the donations. Here's some value. Excellent work. Stoked for the next episode. Reminder for dudes to go like the lost tape videos. I may not get that I'm live, but I sure I'm always sure to go and drop a like as soon as I can. My please ha- may I please have a Mo Karma later's. Yes, of course you may have that. <laughs> You've got Mocom. Derek Birch with 3830. In 2014, Derek says, I got fired from my job, started a podcast, 120 episodes total, and started producing stand-up comedy shows in Toronto. I wish I kept podcasting going, but it was one of the best things I ever did. Still running shows in Toronto under no agenda comedy when we're not locked up like dogs. If you need a research assistant, hit me up. By the way, 38 is my lucky number, hence the donation. Thank you, Derek. Sam Schmock. 3633, cheers to the next chapter. Um, we're with you there, Sam. Johnny Hipwell, 3376. Uh, in the morning, thank you for all the education. Went back to this to start at the beginning, but sometimes I catch a new one. I'm about halfway through the whole series. Love you, Mo f- from Scandinavia. Johnny Bravo, thank you especially for your courage because you take on some near impossible sensitive topics. Uh, P.S. I tried to hit 33 with the exchange. <laughs> you came very close. So the, he sent in uh, dollary dues. Uh, thank you, Johnny. That's very, very cool. Miguel Espinal, $25. Thank you. Mark Asher, uh, $22. Says, screw the they. Uh, sophisticated ignorance, $21. Men have no allies. Women run it from the bed to court. Okay. 
Um, Desmond Henderson, $20. Mo, just listen to Silly Mo. That's our, was 74. Please D dead beat me. Uh, do you have a tutorial on podcasting 2.0? Wow. Congratulations. You're no longer a deadbeat. If it's for listening, get a new podcast app at newpodcastapps.com. And uh, if it's for producing, drop me an email, adamaccurry.com. Paul Romslow, $20. Thank you, Paul. Uh, Chaz Tally, $20. Friday, Yin got no job, Yin got shit to do. <laughs> That's a quote from Friday, the movie. I've not seen Friday, the movie. You haven't seen Friday? No, I'm a cultural barbarian, uh, Mo. Okay. Yeah, there's, if it came out after I left MTV, there's a big blank space in culture for me, except for okay. internet. <laughs> I was building parts of the internet. Uh, $19 from Joel Villanueva. Trapper's Delight was a trap for me as I've listened to every episode since. Kindly received my donation of a cuck buck per episode. Oh, thank you. Per episode listened. A humble amount, but I challenge all the deadbeats to do the same. We'll let Mo and Adam know we value their work. Godspeed uh, to you on your journey free from the corporate. Mo, please de-dead meet me. Okay, absolutely. And Congratulations. You're no longer a deadbeat. And that's a reminder that value is only something that you as a receiver of value can determine. So I believe that this $19 means a lot to Joel, and we really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Alejandro Alcocer, $14.33. SV drops an X for freedom with $10. Monique Eckert, $10. Uh, These are all $10. Devlin Phillips, Miguel Espinal, again, thank you. John Nochel. And Shazir, uh, $10 for the machine. And we thank James Holly with $5, who wants uh, Mo Karma. Oh, we can slip that one in for you. You've got Mo Karma. $5 from Michael Cole, Joy Leeds, and Gore Yarbrough, $5. And as always, winding up the pack, he never fails. Terry, the human subscription killer, $4.11. And we really appreciate these producers, as we do our executive and associate executive producers please keep this going this is this this was this is fantastic what we've done here this is by far just the most personable show it brings a whole bunch of things together but i have a feeling we're just getting started with mofax um so support the work please go to mofax.com or directly to the donation page at mofundme.com and remember you can boost us with a new podcast app that you can get from newpodcastapps.com and thanks for supporting episode 75 of Mo Facts with Adam Curry. And for the sake of continuity, you please can you remind the people that we love new money? Because <laughs> you're going to you're gonna throw the whole universe off. I like if, Brandon. If we don't I just I don't yeah, want yeah, any money yeah. around me. It's not. I'd almost rather have a, a new one than a brand, than an old 20. Now, that's kind of dumb, isn't it? But there's something about new money that excites you. You like $100 bills? Oh, yeah. I like oh. new money, too. Oh, most beautiful thing on earth is a hundred dollar bill. I hadn't seen a woman as good looking as a hundred dollar bill. There's something about a hundred dollar bill that excites you. I could tell you why it didn't play, but uh, thanks for giving me the opportunity to bring it back. <laughs> there's, there's no worries. There's no worries. But we had to do it. Because Technical not, issues. Technical issues. The whole issues. universe will be thrown off until yes. the next show. We can't have the uh, Matrix glitching. You're right. Like, like the time when we left the door open. Yeah. So, oh, that was bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. It was, everything didn't go right after that. Uh, but let's go ahead and get to the final clip from Kanye. And this is talking about the victimization mentality. 
I've been canceled. Right. I've been canceled before they had cancel culture. I was canceled before they had the term. Do you care about any of that? I do. I care about everything. Mm-hmm. Does it does it not rub you the wrong way, but does it get to your core when when people do it feel don't like rub me the right way? This definitely Johnny Gill. What do you say? What do you say to people that say you turn you turned your back on the culture or exactly one hundred percent? I have turned my back on the idea of victimization mentality. We are locked up. We went from one and four. We went from one and four to one and three, but we always pointing. At the white people, but yet we want to spend all of our money on foreigns. We want to spend all our money on luxury as opposed to going and buying some land. America is for sale, and there's a lot of barren land. Disney bought a lot of it in Florida, but the culture has you focused so much on fucking somebody, bitch, and pulling up in a foreign and rapping about things that could get you locked up, and then saying you about prison reform. Mm. Like it's, bro, we brainwashed out here, bro. Come on, man, this is a free man talking. Democrats had us voting Democrats for food stamps for years, bro. What are you talking about? Guns in the 80s, taking the fathers out the home, plan B, lowering our votes, making us abort our children. Gosh, and that kill. I can't tell y'all how to feel, but what I can tell you honestly is how I feel. Yeah, that was such a great bit from that interview. And I can't tell you all how to feel, but I can tell you how I feel. So I had to look myself in the mirror and I said, Mo, you can't be no victim, bro. That's the only way. That is the only way you win in this game is you can't be a victim. And the whole episode, I walked y'all through the mental process. Those five days you talked about, mm-hmm. this is what I went through. And on the back end of it, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Nobody has control over my life except me and Mrs. Facts. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but yeah, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's it, you know. Um, so, yeah, so I had to, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's gut check time. It's go time. It's like there's no, there's no room for to be a victim. You could be angry, but how are you going to channel that anger? Uh, so I had to go back. I had to pull out the old book, The Seven Habits. You know what I'm saying? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, Dr. Covey. Yeah. You know, uh, and I had to revisit the first habit. And the first habit is being proactive. And if you're proactive, that gives you the power and puts you back in the controlling seat. So these next three clips are for those guys that were angry like me and was empathizing with me. It's time to suck it up. It's time to get proactive, fellas. So let's go ahead and get to number 29. Habit one. Be proactive basically means that your life is a product of your values, not your feelings. That your life or the organization's life is a product of your decisions, not your conditions. The opposite of being proactive is to be reactive which basically means that your life is a function of your feelings, your moods, your impulses, 
other people's treatment. The underlying principle of habit one, be proactive, is to take responsibility. Oh, wow, that's so true, ma'am. And and boy, are we being trained for that to be life. You know, how you feel, how you make others feel. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Yeah, spot on. And he and he points out, I'm saying I didn't clip this because it was saying it was kind of buried in between two points he was making, but in between the stimulus and your reaction is your power to decide how you're gonna react to whatever's thrown at you. Yeah. You have the stimulus, me being fired, and then you have my reaction. And in between there, if I just went just went off of gut feeling and got angry and stayed angry, they had control. But the fact that I said, you know what? I'm going to control how I react to this. So I did three episodes of Converse this week. I've been busy. Mm-hmm. I've been talking to people on the back end with under the fax machine. You know what I'm saying? Making plans. You know, more and more. And, 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 it's, and it's crazy how the universe works because when you think not in the lack mindset, but the abundance mindset, and I mean that just in the purest forms, not in these esoteric ways, but just the fact if, you get out of that loop of how you've been done wrong and how things are bad for you and look at, oh, man, I am free. I am a free man talking. <laughs> Nobody has control over me anymore. Then the, the, the door is open for you. Interesting. You this, like, this is very interesting. You used the term I would use. You said what the universe did. Mm-hmm. Universe or God? It's God, but what I'm saying is I make I, I never force my my religion on anybody else, so I don't want the message to be lost because he, he said he got said God, so that doesn't pertain to me. Whatever you call it, <laughs> whatever you're saying, whatever you refer it to as, you control with your mind your outcome. That's right. By what thoughts, where your thoughts are at. If you're in a negative place, things are going to get worse. If you're going to run it for late and you're going to worry about get caught by that light. You're going to get caught by that light. Or if you do get caught by that light, you're saying you're not worried about it. Guess what? You're saying it's just another minute you're late. You're saying you, it's about how pers- pers- the perspective you put it in. So like I never, I always make it a habit not to leave people in a doom and gloom state because if you do, then that's very harmful. So like I said, I had to go back and dig out my book that Mamu Barami gave to me, God rest in, rest in peace. But he handed me this book and that changed my life. That made it, that sowed the seed that this whole podcasting experience watered to say, you know what? I'm bigger than this job. And I, you know, the crazy thing is, I always thought I was bigger than my job <laughs> after I read that book. But it's like when somebody takes something away from you <laughs> and takes control out of your hands, then you get angry about it. But it's like, I was on my way out anyway. What are you, what are you mad about? Right. So it's just that, that that's the point I want to make is don't doom and gloom. If you need help, seek help. Adam, if you could, please put that suicide prevention uh, number in there. We'll get it in the show notes because I'm not poo-pooing that. You're saying it's some dark, it's, a, it's, it's an opportunity to be dark, but how you respond to it is how you you're saying it's in your power. Uh, it's that space between you're saying the, the stimulus and the reaction. That's where you decide how you want to react to it. Uh, anything you want to say before we get into thirty? No, I I, I think you uh, I think you summed it up really <laughs> summed it up really well. 
the power of the mind is awesome, no matter what you call it. And wh- whatever you're focused on, you know, there's so many sayings about this. You know, grass is mm-hmm. always uh, greener on the other side, but it's also greener where you water it. You know, so wherever you're focusing, that's that's where you're going to go. And that's what I've seen time and time again. Just what do you want? Just if you once you can clarify that, you focus on it, you go and it'll happen. Mm-hmm. It's I've I've seen it. My friends have seen it. You're seeing it. It's it's a, it's a crazy thing. But it's real. And, like, and that first phone call in the star. Opened the door up for you, me and you to meet one day. You see what I'm saying? It's oh, just, absolutely. It's, it's, the universe, like, okay, you you step it out on faith. Okay, I'm gonna open another door, another door for you. And when you get there, to realize the door will be open. You know what I'm saying? It's another door and another door and another. And you look back, like, wow, like, how the hell did I get here? <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, but in a good way, it's like, how did I get here? So no, nah, we're not. We don't doom and gloom over here. So if you thought that's what that if you thought that's what this was, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> so we can go ahead and get into thirty. The underlying principle of habit one, be proactive, is to take responsibility. The concept is you and I have the capacity to choose our response. If you don't believe that you're capable of choosing your own response, if you don't have that vision of yourself, if you're deep into victimism, I'll just about guarantee you you will become disempowered. You will not begin with the end in mind, with careful thinking about the future. You'll be a function of the past. You will put second, third, fourth, and fifth things first. Yeah. With your ladder leaning against the wrong wall. You'll think win-lose or lose-win. You'll always seek to be understood first rather than to understand. And you'll be constantly botching all kinds of relationships because both parties feel misunderstood. Ego battles will develop. At best, you'll end up with compromise instead of synergy. And you will not take the time to sharpen the saw because you simply don't have the time to get gas. You're too busy. You're buried in the thick of thin things. Yeah, yeah, this is such a good book. (laughs) (laughs) Life changing. Mm Mm-hmm. And the reason why it's life changing is it doesn't cost you anything to practice the habits. It doesn't matter what your economic status is, your educational status, any of that. Anybody can start the seven habits today. And this is not a promotion of the seven habits per se, but it's the principles behind them of being proactive, thinking with the end, you're saying beginning with the end in mind, you're saying so on and so on. And it's one thing that he you're saying he talks about in there is and I want to harp on this just for a second. I know I said reach out to people and talk to people. But at the same time, look at the quality of people that you're talking to. Because if you're only talking to somebody that's going to be negative, that only sends you negative posts, that only wants to get into this complaining, and, oh, you know, oh, look at this, another another vaccine story, another vaccine story, another vaccine story. You might want to start vetting to say, are we building or are we going to just stay in and saying wallow in victimization? Right. So I just want I just want to make that point because, yeah, because you can you can have people to talk to, but it might put you in a worse situation 
because they don't bring, you know what I'm saying? They're not thinking with the, the value adding mind. And, and that, like I said, once again, I got to thank E-Class for that because his favorite line is, and he going to laugh when I say this, what you going to do, cuz? That's his favorite line. After, after all the, after all, everything you go through, after all the, man, you know, it's messed up. Da, 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 da. He said, what you going to do, cuz? Well, that means it, and that's a running line between him is, with all that said, what's your next move? Yeah, that's right. And you're saying like I like, like I said, and that and when he that's that kind of friend you need to a reality check. Like, you know what I'm saying? You, you, what you, you gonna sound do, like cause? a little Mitch right now? You say sound like a little Mitch right now? You know? Hey, uh, uh, you need to you know what I'm saying? Man up. And, and and it's a time and place for that. Of course, it's a time and place. You know, to empathize with your friend. Like, yeah, that is messed up. You know. That kind of thing, but don't get in these pity parties either. It's right. it's a it's a it's a careful balance um, that we need to you know what I'm saying try to strike. Uh, so anything you want to say or no? Or, I'm 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 right there. I'm I'm so, all with you. You're saying you're doing a beautiful job. So what you gonna do, Cuz? <laughs> <laughs> what am I gonna do? Is gonna play uh, number thirty-one. You're too busy. You. You're buried in the thick of thin things. That's why Habit One is so foundational, so basic. It is the vital foundational component of every other habit. Again, let's define it as the capacity, the desire to subordinate impulses, moods, feelings, conditions to values based on principles. To subordinate. Until little by little, our emotional life, which was once like this, gets ironed out. You still may have some ups and downs emotionally, but there is a steadiness, a constancy in your nature to where you can make and keep promises to yourself and to others. Where you can treat others with kindness without capitulating your convictions. In short, to where you can begin to practice the other habits which build on top of it. Yeah, and I'll add my personal um, recommendations mm-hmm. for maintaining your emotions. Uh, turn off the television and do not go on social media. Those two things are critical when you want to focus on something else and you don't want your emotions uh, playing with you because the trickery is so deep. It, the world is geared to trigger your emotions 24-7. Yes, and, and we tap into it as soon as we wake up. Oh, yeah. To, Spe- to the point, I, and I had a real, I mean, my alarm <laughs> on my phone, it rings and it says the stories for the day. Oh, no, 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 no. This is not healthy. I know, I'm <laughs> just saying, I'm, I'm just letting you know, I'm just, it's, it's a moment of transparency. You're saying just that what, what you're saying is very true. That they tell you what to worry about. Yeah. At the point of waking up. It's like, this is the stuff you have to be worried about today. And then when I realized that, you know, I don't use it anymore. But yeah, it's 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 real like that. So hopefully this this introspective ride that I took you on um help somebody. If it helped one person, it was worth it. Um I think and, it helped you and it helped me and it helped everyone who's listening. This is this was beautiful to 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 witness to see it all unfold. It definitely helped me. It definitely right, and this this was a good uh 
getting the toxins out kind of thing. <laughs> and and like I said, let people know where I'm at right now. I'm, I'm back on the seven habits. I never went away from them, but it's a refocusing. And now it's just being proactive and, you know, growing, growing this thing into, I don't think people really get how big the end is in my mind. Like I'm beginning with the end in mind and I don't, I, I, they'll see, they'll see eventually, but I have an uh, idea. I have, I have ideas of how, how that's well, going to you're be. from the future. So you are, there you so. go. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for doing this, Mo. This was, I know it was personal for you. Uh, you put a lot of, a lot into this, uh, not just the work for the clips, but thinking about what you wanted to say. And I really enjoyed it. And I learned a lot as usual, uh, but maybe a little extra more today. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And as I always say, pay attention to everything and the truth will reveal itself. And uh, for, again, in the show notes, we'll have the uh, suicide prevention hotline along with the seven habits of the highly effective people and the video series, Black Man Get You Some Therapy, <laughs> which I'm going to watch. I'm looking forward to it. We'll see you all next time, everybody. I'm Mo Fax with Adam Curry. Hey, hey, hey.